Welcome to the latest episode of the Triple Takeover Toycast, the Transformers podcast equivalent of getting the three big screen Spider-Men together to hang out and chat about past experiences and who has the best toys. Much like Spidey, today's topic is a bit of a reboot of sorts, with the new Takara Diaclone line being a fresh makeover for the classic robot series that ultimately gave birth to Transformers all the way back in the 80s. Before we get to that, let's meet our friendly neighbourhood co-hosts. First up, we have the amazing Transformers Square One, you see what I did there, who, much like the Andrew Garfield take on Spidey, is charming and quick-witted, but has an unfortunate reputation for breaking stuff when he drops it. And is entirely forgettable out of the three. (laughs) I definitely wouldn't say that, mate. So plenty of people love Garfield, Spidey. What are you on about? Plenty of people love Garfield. That's true. Plenty of people love you too, mate, honestly. And you love lasagna, so it fits. That's, it all syncs up. The, the math checks out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Look at that. Next, we have Liam from Toybox Soapbox, who, despite being more partial to Iron Brew than Iron Man, is akin to the Tom Holland iteration. He's the youngest of the three, if only by a narrow margin, but definitely the chirpiest. Unless you mention G1 Blur or the Transformers scale chart, and then he might go a bit Civil War on you. My name is... <laughs> My name is Sixo, and I suppose that leaves me as the Toby Maguire variant of this particular troupe, which makes sense as I love a good Danny Elfman score, my dancing skills are legendary, and I definitely didn't sign up for Cage Match. Anyway, you've got us for 90 minutes or so of playtime, so let's get cracking. What's going on in Groovetown, chaps? I'm just, I'm just relieved you didn't work me into like a dialogue uh, pun. I thought that's where that was going to go. <laughs> yeah, I considered it, but I thought I'd leave all the Diaclone stuff for the main episode. What can I say? Wait, when you say main episode, you you mean the episode we're about to do? Yeah, that one. Some episode, some other time. And this is not a mini-sode, right? No, no, this is an episode. This is a full-on episode of Diaclone Goodness. A real episode. Magic Christmas has finally come. Yeah, this is it, mate. This is your chance to talk about all things Diaclone. Me, me and Sixo will now just go quiet, and this is you for the next seven hours. This is, this is Maz's monologue, basically. I don't think that lets you off making zero Diaclone references in the intro, man. You don't just get to Spider-Manify the Diaclone episode. And no, say, that's my oh, bit done now. to you, mate. <laughs> exactly. That's me done now. I did, uh, I did my sort of first 90 <laughs> seconds of fighting. and have a nap. <laughs> right, exactly. Just going to have a little kip in the corner now whilst you chat on about Diaclone for a bit. I'm amazed you didn't mention him being far from home, you know, with him being on the other side of the planet. Oh, you know? uh, <laughs> yeah, you see here it's all coming out now. More inspiration. But this is um, a bit momentous for us because it is the second time in a year that we are doing a non-Transformers episode. Yeah, it's and, it, and it is significantly non-Transformers as well. Yeah, I think people, it's kind of Transformers adjacent in its way, yeah. isn't it? But people think of it in association with Transformers, but it's very specifically not Transformers as well. It's like Transformers Big Brother and Younger Brother at the same time because it's Diclone, but it's new. Anyway, we've had a couple of good Transformers episodes recently, so it feels only appropriate that we go for something a little bit different this time. And uh, we had quite a nice response to the last episode. Yes, absolutely. Even though um, neither of us had any birthdays, we talked about our birthday Transformers. And it is actually my birthday. By the time this comes out, I will have had my birthday. Uh, I still haven't had my birthday, I was going to say, and I won't have done by the time <laughs> this episode airs. Mine's still six months away. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or six it, months past. Yeah. Yeah. It's like glass half full or glass half empty, is it? Is it six months ago or six months to go? <laughs> Def- definitely on the equator of my birthday. That's where I'm still at the right. moment. I feel quite bad because those uh, lovely things I got for my birthday, I've had to pack away immediately along with virtually everything else. Well, I'll tell you one thing, um, and you might be able to see behind me how few things there are on the shelves 
it does remind me how good a Detolf cabinet looks when there is just one item in each section. For example, I've got Jetfire up there all by himself. I've got Metal Plates Optimus Prime over here. Great shot down there in one section. That is really nice looking. <laughs> you know, and I think Scorponok was occupying one by himself too. There is something to be said about a really sparse display where one thing becomes the absolute focus of each shelf compared to the rammed shelves that are quite normal for these displays. Oh, 100%. I mean, uh, I, I, to be honest, I've sort of forgotten what that's like. My, the reality of my display is is like, you know, any kind of, a millimeter is real estate that can be used in some way or another. But I often look at people like Graham who just have incredible uh, displays with, it's got a bit of a kind of fluctuating collection in some ways. And sometimes you look at it and it's more, sometimes less. But he really uh, has sometimes very minimal displays that just look mm. incredible, I think. Yeah. I mean, you've seen mine. It's all over the floor. It's just, <laughs> just wherever anything can go. <laughs> I used to be able to see the floor in your room. Like <laughs> I used to be able to see where the front of the collection was, but I can no longer see the front of the collection. I well, actually just, just some tubs there now. I, I actually cleared the floor yesterday and I was dead happy looking at it thinking all the work I'd done and then I realized all I'd done is moved everything into the hallway so then it all had to come back yeah. <laughs> I was going to say all you, all you did was clean up the yeah. living room and realize wait my collection's not in this room it looks like he's green screened himself into a collection shelf at the moment like <laughs> it does a little really bit there. yeah I know. And we always have this joke about me owning all of Transformers and then look at what you're set on soapbox yeah, but I just have all of junk. That's what I'm about. <laughs> just lots of stuff piled together. Well, I don't know about that. It's all, mostly all packed up now. We're getting ready for the old big move. Reality is setting in a little bit with that one. Not so fun, as it turns out, to move no, a big there's, collection. There's nothing fun about this at all. Every day that passes, I'm just thinking about all the stuff in storage piled on top of each other, even if it's bubble wrapped or in tubs. You think, oh, is it taking damage? Something. I found a broken piece of something on the floor the other day. It's red plastic. I have no idea what it's from. I'll find out one day. That's not a surprise I'm looking forward to. I have no idea yeah. what it could be from, but something's taken a beating while being um, put into a tub. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny, but it was. I don't know why. Just something about you taking a beating whilst getting in a tub. I don't know. Yeah, it must be Friday night, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. What can you say? Well, we should also mention our sponsor for the evening, who is, of course, the wonderful TF Source. So your one-stop shop for all things Transformers. So check them out for all your Transformers and third-party needs. We'll do a longer segment on them in the middle of the episode, but they are the sponsor for the evening, as ever. Uh, we also have a Patreon, don't we, Mez? Yes, we are patreon.com forward slash triple takeover. And we have currently four glorious tiers. However, we are in the process of proposing a new layout for our Patreon, which will introduce a new elite fifth tier. So we can finally say five glorious tiers. I mean, we, right. that's the only reason we're doing it, so we can do the song properly. But we will release more info on that soon. There will be even more content available at that tier. and. The other tiers will change a tiny amount, but in our belief and the belief of our patrons who have uh, had a little sneak peek of what we're what we're going to propose, it's it's all pretty much for the best. And I think virtually everybody stands to benefit. And those of you who've been kind of on the fence will hopefully see this as a perfect opportunity to to jump on board. Yeah, the reaction so far has been tremendously positive, hasn't it? From the people that have seen it, they've all said, you know, looks great, what have you. So. I don't know. I'm really excited to to kind of get cracking with it. Yeah. Positivity rules. Uh, but we also have a, a red bubble, don't we, Liam? Yes, we do have a red bubble. Six. <laughs> you can get leggings, backpacks, probably uh, t-shirts, 
basically anything with the Triple Takeover logo. If you would like to support us and wear our merch with pride, you can go to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Triple Takeover forward slash explore. And of course, it's not just Triple Takeover logos. It's um, half of the jokes we've made on the episodes <laughs> just made into merch. It's basically a joke book on sale across <laughs> <laughs> coffee corps and, you know, socks. <laughs> Funny stuff Liam said on a t-shirt. What can you yes. say? Hey man, the man in pig is is the main the main guy there, isn't it? So, Diaclone reboot then. That's the the topic of the eve. Uh what where do we want to start? Because it's actually uh, a really interesting story, isn't it? I suppose maybe we want to cover kind of how this line came about to begin with. Yeah, uh, starting with the fact that it's not actually a reboot. And I know we call it that, and I've called it that numerous times. The thread on TFW that's been running since 2015 calls it a reboot, but it is actually a continuation of the original Diaclone story. So the original Diaclone story being that the evil Waruda Empire, the bugs, the bad guys, you know, they used up all the resources of their planet, and it, it kind of centers around a, a resource called it's either Freezon or Free Zone, depending on kind of what translation you read. And the original Diaclone kind of manga said that, you know, I think it's probably based around the 1990s that the the Waruda's realized that Earth had a really rich source of free zone and they came to plunder it and were, were fought off. And this was like a really long battle. I think the the latest Diaclone story kind of says it's like the 2020s when the, they are finally repelled. And then the Earth's Diaclone forces, uh, which are humans, using mecha and robots and mainly non-sentient technology, but like powered suits and big, massive robot combiners and space vehicles, things like that to combat the aliens. And uh, everything's peaceful now, so that war technology has kind of turned to space exploration and spreading through the galaxy, creating alliances with alien races. And then this new line launches around the 2030s, the threat of the Warudas has returned and it kind of begins with an attack on the moon and then an attack on Tokyo uh, where mysterious Diaclone defensive forces then come and rescue the day and kind of push them back a little bit. And it then gets revealed in the story that this is the brand new Diaclone war mecha that's been being researched. And that's kind of where the first figure launches. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. I actually didn't know a lot of that. There you go. Shows how much I know. What's that? Where's that from? Is that is so? This is the like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's the website Takara Tomi's website, and also some of the story that's involved in uh, included in the booklets that you get with the toys. I have to give a shout out to Microman Club on Tumblr who translated so much of this, and we should include a link when we post the episode if people mm. want to go and read it because it is really cool. They had translated up to about Act Six, as far as I remember, but that was up to when I think only Dire Battles had been released around 2015 so there is much more since then obviously we're up to like 70 to 90 releases now not counting individual named exclusives and things there are a lot of toys in this line but yeah so that has been translated from japanese paperwork and the website Mm, incredible so does that fiction kind of predate the diaclone forgive me for calling it but for for kind of ease of conversation the diaclone reboot line does any of that predate that then? Because it's obviously a continuation from the original Diaclone series. But uh, So uh, the first thing is called Act Zero. That's uh, when they rediscover that the, the Waruda's have returned. 
There's a possibility that might have been on the website, but I suspect that the main bulk of it has come with the release of the toys. Maybe because right. there was a lot of toy shows that were showing off prototypes and samples, and a lot of flyers were handed out. So it could be that it's just generally been spread across that. This, it's the same problem as always with Diaclone literature, honestly. It's lack of access because it's all in Japanese, so you've got to get it translated. And it's a price of entry because, first of all, to get vintage Diaclone literature, you've got to find the manga or you've got to buy the toys and get the paperwork. And that's never been cheap or easy for most people. Yeah, and sure. the, the new toys aren't cheap either. So if you've gone in on those and you can't read the stuff that they've printed with it, then you're basically relying on people to translate it and post online, which thankfully people have done. Yeah. It's probably interesting to to kind of go back a step then to those original toys, isn't it? And just kind of, I suppose, discuss the, the concept as it was. Because one thing I've often thought is that I don't, well, I'm not convinced of anyway, is that there's a huge amount of familiarity amongst every Transformers fan with what Diaclone ha- is always a- is about or has been from the beginning. Because I think mm-hmm. sometimes, like even things like the Waruders, uh, you know, the fact that actually in, in G1, you know, they kind of became the Insecticons and stuff like that and this kind of insectoid race. I'm not sure that's always something that people kind of appreciate. I think people know that lots of the cars like Sunstreaker and stuff like that originated as Diaclone toys. And I think that part of it is generally understood. But the fictional aspect, I think, is something that most people are possibly not as tapped into. Is that fair to say, do you think? Very much so. And even as a Diaclone collector, there's plenty of fiction I'm unaware of. I only recently read the manga called the Diaclone Car Robots. Uh, I think it's the Diaclone Squad or something like that, Car Robot Squad. And it basically shows the Blue Streak robot and the Skids robot in a sort of story, but the main protagonists are the people. You know, there's the scientists yeah. and there's the the hero fighting the Waruda forces, and it's all for control of this energy free zone, which is basically central to the entire story, or free zone, which is what it seems to be in the new story. And yeah, I'd never seen it before, but someone had gotten hold of the manga and had translated it uh, and created an excellent sort of Facebook thread on it on the Diaclone Genome Project group. That is really worth seeing because it's just fascinating looking at Transformers mecha that you know, like Blue Streak or Skids mm. or Sunstreaker in this context, being in a completely different story. It's almost like, nah, this is fan fiction, right? But no, it's, yeah, it's yeah. like legitimate fiction and it's uh, it's great to see. Because even when Diaclone toys that historically have always just been Diaclone and they're referred to in Transformers as Diaclone, if you like. So, like things like Corden, for example. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about uh, one, uh, characters or, or toys that were never part of the 1984 stroke 85 Transformers lineup back in the 80s. Yeah. So, you know, like police, the police Countach, for example, stuff we like use that. It that as a all, don't we? we yeah, it. exactly. They're, they're often yeah. referred to as Diaclones, but but they are in Transformers sentient robots, which is a, a huge difference from obviously how they were originally portrayed. That's correct, yeah. And obviously you get some fans who say things like Diaclone Megatron as well. So for them, anything that came before Transformers is Diaclone. Yeah. But yeah, Diaclone is from some 1980. People this, some people on this podcast. Yeah, it's an easy mistake to make though, isn't it? It's just, it's... <laughs> I was, it I was is, just yeah. thinking about that. I was like, I wonder if they remember. If you yeah. had spent 200 articles writing out the bloody name and designation of every single one of these, maybe then you wouldn't make any errors. And I, and I still do. And I still learn stuff from other collectors. I think everything I've ever learnt about this line is from other collectors. It's why I've always been really reluctant, full of imposter syndrome. Every time the folks at TF Nation have said, will you do a Diaclone panel? I just think, no, I'm going to get shown up. That's it. I'm 
finally going to be exposed for absolutely knowing squat all about the finer points that people are actually interested in. Anyone can look up what color Sunstreaker was when it came out originally. Anyone can look up how many different countries tracks came out in. But when someone asks, what was the very first release and what was the story behind it? Question marks appear above my head because I've never really dug into the fiction of it. But Diaclone is a portmanteau for Diamond Cyclone. So that's where the name Diaclone comes from. Diamond being the hardest substance known to man naturally occurring and Cyclone being a strong force of nature on Earth. So it's the, the Earth defense force fighting against the alien invaders, which are, yeah, the bug race, the Waruders. Originally in 1980, the toys in Diaclone, they weren't really Earth-based vehicles that you would recognize. They're like spaceships and robot mechanoid suits and things like that. Really sci-fi looking toys, very much a different generation to the mm. first round of car robots and Autobot cars that you will recognize. They were very different looking toys. And a lot of those toys were released in Italy. So Italian collectors have a Diaclone heritage as well. Some of them aren't into Transformers. They collect these because they have Diaclone memories from their youth you know they had a lot of the repaints and they had all the non-transformers toys as well you know like we did in the uk we had grandstand converter stuff you know from michael man and mm. and that kind of thing but for them it was actually sold as diaclone for a man who just said i know the square root of deadly <laughs> sador you've just like given us all this information that like i've never heard of you know yeah loads. i mean i didn't know it. i didn't find this stuff other people have told me this virtually everything i know about this topic i learned from other people that's and how the, everybody learns stuff. I was just yes. going to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been really careful to never acknowledge anyone ever calling me an expert on this because I'm not. But that, that's, that would have been the panel. I mean, I'd be done. <laughs> it's, it's 10 minutes in, I was like, all right, folks, see you in the bar. You know, This is going to be um, one of those ones where you say that now, but in four hours when we're all like desperate to go to sleep and you're still talking, we'll be like, it's just not stopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move it along then. And uh, so this new Diaclone line is a reimagining of those original sci-fi toys. So it's a reboot in the sense of the toys, isn't it? So, But not the fiction. So the fiction carries on, you're saying, but the toys technically are a reboot, aren't they? Because they're taking old designs that existed, or mostly, actually, not everything. Mm. Some of it is new, isn't it? But a, a lot, a lot, certainly stuff like Dire Battles and some of the familiar faces and Battle Buffalo and things like that were toys back in the 80s and have been reimagined from the ground up actually, to, to yeah. a heavy, heavy degree. Right. I guess an equivalent would be taking vintage Transformers and comparing them to Masterpiece Transformers because that's the level of difference in the engineering that you're getting that, yeah. and cost <laughs> versus original release. Definitely price. and cost. Maybe even more, actually, in a funny way with, with Diaclone because, I mean, some of it, honestly, like the, the, the obvious one to me is something like Battle Convoy, which you know yeah. we'll, we'll get into as a whole topic, I'm sure, a little sure. bit later. But it's it's obviously very very different to the toy that it's you know originally yeah. based oh, completely, on. Completely, yeah. You know, and and incomparable, really, other than like a color scheme, vaguely. No, and, it's legitimately and, futuristic. Yeah, it feels more like a reinvention of the concept, doesn't it? Like more right. updating, whereas. You know, with Transformers, it's not like that, is it? I suppose it's more yeah. engineering to get to something, whereas this is more take the original, make it even more on steroids. Yeah. yeah, absolutely on steroids. And that shows in the number of releases there are in this line. And I think it's important for us to say that this is no way going to be an exhaustive list of releases. This isn't going to be like the Car Robots episode where we're just like pinging through everything that came out. This is literally going to be us focusing on the landmark releases and concepts in the line to give you some idea of what the line is about, what's good about it, 
you know, that sort of thing. And then you're free to sort of go off and look at the many, many, many releases that were probably hugely responsible for why I eventually ducked out of the line. Uh, same, to be honest. I mean, it's a, it, it always was, even in its early days, a difficult line to keep up with because there are numerous, <laughs> very hard to find releases or some exclusives things like that there are i mean it's an expensive line as well isn't it let's not beat around the bush it's totally it's aimed at collectors very pricey yeah exactly Pure. very 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 collector orientated and and good for it though i mean i always kind of said about it even though it is pricey every toy i picked up in the line i always thought wow these are yes fantastic amazing it's all it's, it's all wow yeah not at one point not ever did i think i've wasted my money on this or it yeah. hasn't been worth it it was yeah. all spectacular if if you had bought into the concept of what it was supposed to do, they're very distinctly toys for adults as well. I think that's what's always the most exciting thing. Yes, about they are there to well be played said. with. They are, but from an adult perspective, whereas masterpiece transformers aren't so much like that. And yeah. you know, mostly toys are for kids, aren't they? Even with most modern transformers, we still they are still yeah. aimed at kids. But this is very different in what it's trying yeah. to do. It's not trying to like ape a cartoon or something like that, or just be something to stand on a shelf. It's very much designed with playing at its core. Absolutely. I think that for me is the real differentiation between these and Masterpiece Transformers. You're right, because yeah, Masterpiece is all about nostalgia in the sense of what you remember in your mind's eye as, you know, you you maybe own the toy back in the day, but now here's this thing, which is actually kind of the sort of perfect ultimate rendition of it, if you will. And And for better or for worse, Masterpiece actually doesn't have that much of a play pattern beyond accessories and things like that so it's all accessories geared around cartoon moments whereas this has a very very well-defined play pattern that is quite unique to diaclone which you know a lot of it centers around the little the little people the little dinauts uh mm-hmm. you know similar to the original diaclone toys and the car robots line that ultimately became transformers although they obviously took the dinauts out at that point and that's like a big part of it, but there's a hell of an impressive amount of uh, interactivity as well. And the way that you can kind of combine, combine different toys with one another and use arms and legs and things like that to kind of swap a, you know, across the different toys. Uh, and they all kind of disassemble into multiple parts and turn into, I mean, even some of the more basic releases, yeah, even stuff like Dire Battles, the first one, it's it's impossible for me to sit and say how many modes that things that thing actually has. Yeah, you know, how many if you're not into parts forming, just stay away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if exactly. you if you're not into mix and match, stay away. Modular is underselling it, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. You were saying that it doesn't have to ape. Uh, Transformers has to ape like a cartoon or some kind of nostalgic vision. This Diaclone line is completely new. It doesn't yeah. even try to ape previous Diaclone. It's like taking some inspiration from original releases as a starting point and then it just everything exploded you know it doesn't have have to be forced down a particular route based on nostalgia or trying to satisfy some uh, media it's just this is probably going to yeah. be the best decision to make this the best toy and it's all seemingly designed with a vision of what's coming next because yeah. stuff that came out in 2015 is compatible with stuff that's coming out now and stuff that's coming out now can attach or be attached with the stuff that came out in 2015 to create yeah. yet another iteration of, of a well-known figure. And I was just going to say, it feels a lot like the nostalgia in this toy line is not in it looking like or being like something else. It's more 
how your mind envisaged playing with those toys as a kid, but as an adult now, like the way you saw moving those little characters and the little desks and all these little mm. accessories. And now you've got the adult version of that, where it's the way your imagination saw that. That's where I feel yeah, like yeah, the yeah. nostalgia is. If we'd grown up with these toys in Japan, I'd imagine this is what the nostalgia would have been like for it. And it, it is to some extent with the robots we've got here like this, the different robots. This is how I remember looking at them and seeing that, like looking at the little con- computer consoles and stuff like that, I mean, like, oh, yeah. everything's there. And it's the same, it's same experience, even with like the powered suits, everything like that. It's all like, wow, this is what I imagined in my head as a child with these sorts of Yeah, things. it's the imagination from yeah. back then come true now. That's mm. just how it is. It's, um, Sixo is right. It's entirely designed around this play pattern of Dianauts interacting with technology and suits and just power ups. We'd probably be wrong to say that the entirety of the line is based on non-sentient robots because I do remember reading something about dire battles that in a certain mode, it does obtain a semblance of sentience for a particular purpose and moment, depending on how it's connected to the Dianaut and, and what function it's fulfilling at that moment. So it's not entirely black and white like that, but for the most part, it'll help people get an idea of the concept that these are piloted mecha used for war, exploration and stuff like that. Dire Battles, actually, funnily enough for me, is the one of all of them that looked the most sentient. You know, it had the most personality in a way you know just in the face and just the general design of it it looked the most transformery you know whereas then you take something like yeah battle buffalo or you know some of the more recent ones they are much more as you said about the original diaclone toys you know pre-car robots they they were kind of uh much more kind of weird and alien-esque and a bit more 80s sci-fi you know like danger will robinson type of thing you know that kind of that kind of robot yeah yeah, and they've really kind of picked up on some of that vibe as well, which I respect. And it's it's kind of stuck to that route. But Dire Battles always kind of struck me as the one that actually felt like a really logical first step because, I don't know, I think it's the humanoid face that just kind of... It's a beautiful head sculpt. It's one of the most beautiful head sculpts yeah. I've ever seen on a Transformers toy. Uh, sorry, in- there you go. Ooh, I've already got that ooh, wrong. On no. any sort of robot toy it's uh it would fit right in as a transformer of, of top end quality yeah and we should talk about how um dire battles is the first release in the diaclone the new diaclone line by takara tomi and that i believe it came out in may 2015 after about a year of prototypes and teases and magazine appearances we finally got our hands on it in may 2015 it's the perfect poster boy for the toy line as well because even though it looks slightly different it's the perfect one to have and glance at straight away and look recognizable because it yeah. looks slightly not simple as the wrong word cleaner maybe because the new ones seem to have a lot more detail and a lot more features and stuff it's a great so, entry point isn't it yeah. it's a fantastic yeah. entry it point for sings, anyone who comes from a similar yeah. toy line it really sings on an advert as well like well, look, just a poster or an image you see it and you recognize straight away like wow that it looks familiar like to Transformers and stuff as well. So it's a really good gateway. Oh man, you see I can feel it already. I can feel yep. I can feel the, the bloody <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have podcast. a die battles by the end of this month. I can just I'm yeah, like I can I'm see already it in your face. sitting here. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, why did I part ways with it? Honestly, because yeah, I'm beginning to feel the same thing. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get into podcast, that. Honestly. <laughs> but I think with this line, when we get into it, um we're gonna we're gonna remember why. And it's Ugh, it's almost like the yeah the strength of the line is what um, is what did it really yeah it's I mean look die die battles 
what a toy. Let's mm. just be clear. It's an amazing toy. And, you know, people... There's lots of things that people were always skeptical about, even in those early days of the line. I remember number one was the cost. People were always like, why does it cost so much? Yeah. And especially... Then it was the size. Yes, exactly. I was just going to say, especially when they saw how big it was, because it's a lot smaller than people thought. Honestly, yeah. it's like literally uh, equivalent to a masterpiece car bot in terms mm. of robot mode height. Uh, and people, I think, kind of imagined that it was going to be, you know, sort of MP10 sized or something bigger to kind of put it into kind of the equivalent of what else was big and around at the time. That was kind of what people were kind of focused on. And I think people just genuinely imagined that, particularly for the price, it was going to be a lot bigger. But as we've learned, and as has kind of come into conversation with things like uh, Kingdom Rodimus and stuff like that, you know, just because something is expensive doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be big because there is like parts count and things like that and engineering involved that makes up the cost. Not to mention it's it's a niche line as well. It's a collector-orientated line. It's always going to cost a little bit more. It is expensive, but that first toy tells you everything you need to know about how fun it is, how interactive it is. And can I say how quality it is as well because honestly there isn't much even in the high-end world of transformers that i think holds a candle to the diaclone line in terms of how good they feel in hand you know the quality of plastics used the paint applications the everything just works you know there's no um certainly to my in my experience anyway i never had any concern about qc problems or any of that kind of stuff in that line you think that's fair to say yeah yeah there's an intricacy to them that really sort of that's never fiddly and it never feels weak or you know like sometimes like particularly like i was like masterpiece hound is very intricate and complex but it feels fragile and you know there's a chance it's going to break this never felt like that they still feel like toys but again toys for adults so you you know how to handle mm. them, but without handling them, being terrified of something going to be to break. I remember there was a moment for me with Big Powered, which is obviously one of the the kind of larger designs, whatever. It's a beautiful toy, and I remember getting that and doing a review of it and some photos and everything. And uh, there was a moment where I couldn't get the little hatch with the with the powered suit in the chest to open properly, and I was getting a bit kind of like, "Oh, what's going on?" And you know, I don't want to force it. Should I force it? How hard do I have to push and all of that? And I was getting a bit nervous about it and thinking, oh, this is a new this is a new one on me because of all the Diaclone reboot toys I've had so far, this has you know, not been my experience. They've always just worked. And then I realized it was me that was doing something wrong. And as soon as I figured out what to do, no problem. And that for me said everything because it actually does just work and it was quite intuitive. It was just me being a total perk. And, and that's the thing about these toys is that they're just so kind of fluid and well-engineered that it's it's impossible to not be impressed by them, I think. I think that was a lot of people's reaction. Uh, they were really impressed to start with. Some people, it really sung to them in terms of, this is not Transformers. This is a great robot toy with high quality, top draw presentation. I think the presentation really needs to be yeah. talked up here because we're talking about spectacular boxes, glossy boxes, lovely paperwork, which has both modern layout and design but also lots of retro style sci-fi artwork in it to connect it to the toys roots. And it really reminds me of a Lego set. All of those landmark Mm. Diaclone releases reminded me of Lego because you work your way through the instructions and that's really the way to do it. It's not to sit down and try and figure it out like a Transformers puzzle because when you open the box, everything's separate anyway. Arms are over here, legs are over here, torso's there, head's up there. It needs connecting and assembling depending on what you're going for. And I loved how the instructions would take you through 
first of all, tiny little vehicles and combinations. You stick the arms on the legs and it's like a little roller. Then you add maybe the, the wings and it's like a flying roller. Then you reconfigure something, pull it out, twist it around. Oh, it's like a little mecha mode. And you keep going, you keep adding parts, you go through different pages, tons of modes. I'm still pity you for having to do that battle convoy eventually. And then the last thing is, wow, that's the thing on the front of the box. And then you spent maybe an hour enjoying going through tons of modes, finally getting to the Dire Battles V2 robot mode in his glory with his big rockets on shoulder rockets, massive wings, beautiful posability, the motorized head reveal, which is just like, what? All of that kind of stuff, loads of accessories, never complicated like a masterpiece or a third-party figure like Liam was saying. They get away with a lot of that because it's so much parts formery. They don't kind of have to find these super hyper-elegant complex solutions to how to make the front of this vehicle the back part of the robot. And big-powered is even more so like a Lego set. And I would thoroughly recommend that anyone who buys these just opens the instructions get themselves a nice drink, sit down, loads of space, and enjoy the process of going through every mode in the booklet. You'll have so much fun, and you'll take so many photos. I was actually just thinking whilst you were saying that and before you mentioned it, that, yeah, to me, that's exactly what these always were, was it's like it's like an evening's entertainment, isn't it? Yes, like you experience. sit down. Exactly. It's an experience. Yeah, you, you make time for it properly. It's not one to rush or anything like that because, you know, it's it's just one to kind of savor. You know, get yourself a nice Laphroaig or whatever your poison is. Just sit down and actually spend the time with it and just really, really kind of enjoy it. You know, it's it's like a it's an experience yeah what a bit what better way to describe it i actually thought you mentioning lego was spot on as yeah. well because it is uh it's not something that you can just intuitively sit down and figure out particularly with the number of combinations and whatever else and it's also not something where i think you know like a lot of transformers fans will admit that even if something comes in car mode they'll just quickly bang it into robot mode and they're done on the shelf that's not what this is at all no way because then comes all the interactivity with the Dianauts. Everything had an opening yeah. cockpit, like every segment of Dire Battles that was, I suppose if you were going to be very crude or harsh about it, you'd say it's a Voyager-class style robot or sized robot. And if you imagine what that would look like in vehicle mode, it, it, that would be far too much of an oversimplification of what this toy is. Everything has a canopy, everything has a compartment, places for the pilots to sit, and they even come with these little magnetic stickers to replicate the magnetic feature of the original Diaclone pilots, except these tiny little pilots now are super articulated. You know, yeah. they've got knee bends and elbow bends and, you know, ab crunches, teeny little figures. Amazing for photography. I use them yes. all the time. The only thing, so I only ever bought the Dia Battles and then a couple of the powered suits and then loads of the figures. But the figures, they sing to me because they're amazing for photography, but it's Starcom. Starcom and Mantafor, right. two of my mm. favorite toy lines growing up. And Starcom probably, oh, it's right up there is one of my all-time favorite things and this it just feels like that and that's i think that's one of the reasons i love it so much despite not having much of it but it's that connection it's that magnetic feet not just that it's all the consoles everything it feels very much like a more intricate use that word again version of starcom to me that's coming from that angle yeah it's like starcom meets transformers meets lego meets zoids isn't it it's like a combination of multiple things that if you're enthusiastic about like two or three of these kinds of franchises just whack them all together and you've got something totally magic in like a high-end super really nicely produced articulated fantastic package is this the only real kind of way i can describe it yeah and they just happen to be absolutely beautiful robots too 
yeah. not just beautiful because they're shiny and they have chrome and they have lovely sculpting and paint, but also incredibly handsome, well-proportioned-looking robots. And the the main ones I've had of varying sizes, they could pretty much all do the run. Yeah, <laughs> they had all the articulation necessary, uh, you know, inward ankle tint, outward ankle tilt, waist rotation, great shoulder articulation, really nice neck articulation, great balance and weight distribution across the figure as well. And yeah, and they're just hit every box but uh it should be said that as quality as these toys are that first run of die battles and its repaint the lunar version the gorgeous gray one they typically had one qc error which was snapped wings and cracks appearing near the wing pack oh, really? which is a real shame because that first run a lot of people had that issue i never had that that's such a shame i think it's because i had uh by my count nearly nine Diabetes. Right. By yeah. The time I was oh on. man. Do you know what I've forgotten about yeah. that? The whole Yeah, the army building aspect oh, is real. Man. And it's not it wasn't just me being me. This is a, a collective. It was a bit of you being you. It was a bit of Yeah. Me being me made me susceptible to it. But right. there are so many people who do this. I feel like they had your picture on the wall when they were yeah. designing this toy line, like aim for mass. <laughs> this is everything about it was like it was designed for you. But I remember because of Die Battles, I, I went to Orbital Comics and I picked up the two that I wanted to get, the original colors, the hero colors and the lunar colors. Took them home, realized what you could do with it and that there were a number of modes which had infinite possibilities. I'm not even joking. That's not an exaggeration. It was infinite. The more Die Battles you had, the more of a wild thing you could create. And yeah, I absolutely was getting this feeling of, well, I'm going to be leading this. I'm going to be putting as many photos out there as possible showing what this line can do. And I don't want to be trumped by anyone on it. So that unfortunately fueled a lot of multiple purchases. So I had three of the Dire Battles. And then when the Powered Suits came out, bought three each of those. And it just kind of escalated that way. And I had this picture in my mind of a hanger of mecha robots in my Detoff display. And it very quickly became obvious that this was not sustainable. Yeah, that's fair. I, do, I remember there was like a whole summer where your entire Twitter feed was like, okay, I've added a you know a 13th uh, Dire Battles to this <laughs> configuration or whatever. Here's another picture of it. And I, and I think there was a point where people were kind of like, huh, yeah, okay, that's, uh, that's something. But it was always impressive. It was always incredible to see, because to be fair, you came up with some amazing combinations and whatever yeah. and uh, and stuff that I... I think that was always my thing, actually. Looking at how you played with Diaclone, I always felt like, wow, I'm not as creative as this guy with this. Do you know what I mean? Like, look at him go with some of this. I'm just buying the one of everything, you know, mm. if that... And uh, and I'm not like combining them in lots of funky ways and stuff. I'm just like playing them within kind of like a regular boring way. So I, I don't know. It was it was definitely very impressive to watch from afar. But you could see that um, it could be enjoyed the way you're describing as well, because as a standalone, yeah. the figures were amazing. If I'm honest, yeah, I probably had a bit more of a kind of traditional Transformers esque approach to it in some ways. Um, the the combination aspect of it is one that I. I suppose in my natural bent was not to kind of experiment with that too much. Do you know what I mean? I was happy to kind of keep the figures sort of semi-self-contained as, as to sort of certain extent. Although actually I did, you know, there was some fun, obviously uh, it kind of lends itself to it to kind of mixing and matching them a little bit. So there is always going to be a bit of that. But that wasn't my kind of 
go-to thing, whereas it struck me that that was something that you really enjoyed about them. That was the completest aspect of it. That was the not wanting to leave anything undocumented. Mm. And whereas it started off as a as a wild pleasure, it very quickly with the bigger figures like Big Powered and how that Big Powered figure could combine with all the powered suits and the little boxes they came with started to feel a little bit overwhelming. And it was right. a real effort to try and stay on top of all the different items you needed to buy to fully exploit everything that these toys could do and photograph it and make sure that I showed it. And that was beginning to become uh, uh, yeah. very difficult. I could sort of imagine that, to be honest. I mean, I I never tried to do that, but I could sort of see... I remember trying, or at least at one stage, thinking, okay, I'll try and pick up one copy of, of everything as much as possible. But the that was kind of at a point where the line felt like it was going to be relatively reasonable and small in, in kind of scale. And then it just started to mushroom overnight, you know, multiple powered suits and the powered suits were really kind of the first indication of like ridiculous man you know this is gonna this is gonna get difficult pretty quickly yeah and, you just had to blink and we had type a to d right. and then e-hobby versions and then exclusive online versions of takara yeah, tony mall like exactly. marine corps versions and then we had a clear show exclusive one which was gorgeous you know it was when they started to switch switch the colors that it it did me in a bit so it was like you'd get the regular release and there'd be two suits, and one would be green, and the other would be a slightly more olive green or something like yeah. that. And then they'd switch it so that you'd get the the same two molds, but now the one that was dark green is now olive green, and the one that was olive green right. is now dark green, and you know all of that kind of clobber. That was that was when I started to get a bit kind of like I love these, but actually, in terms of going completist, it sort of lends itself to being a completist, but at the same time, there's a lot of roadblocks to that as well. So yeah, yeah. And of course, they started to release packs, like model kits, where you snapped on accessories to one of the little powered suits. And just to be clear for anyone who doesn't know what we're referring to, the powered suits were really small mecha suits that one Dianaut pilot could get inside. And you'd close it around him and it'd be like this robotic suit, which had attachments and it could sort of compress into something that could fit into a container. And then that container could be attached to die battles in spaceship mode when it could carry it around, or it could be stuck on the back of another vehicle that came with another big robot. The level of interconnectivity and interaction that exists between all the releases in the line, however few of them you have, is off the scale. Yeah, I always loved the the kind of, again, the stuff like on Big Powered, the way that the chest kind of pops open and there's a little powered suit inside that. And then the powered suit pops open and there's a little Dianaut inside that. And it's like a Russian doll thing. I just thought that was, there was something so appealing about that. And uh, I just absolutely loved it. Uh, But yeah, I, I remember thinking, okay, I'll try and get one of everything. And that just kind of quickly realized oh, yeah. that the reality was just that, you know, that's not going to happen. And I think that was kind of the first moment where I thought, okay, maybe this is going to get a bit beyond my control. And uh, I was a kind of in a process of trying to scale things back a little bit at that point anyway. So it seemed like a kind of natural jumping off point. But in a way, I am sad because there's been some incredible stuff since. And I have picked up, you know, Battle Convoy since then. So uh, yeah, I do I do miss some of those toys. I can feel it, particularly now we're talking about them because they're such yeah, amazing yeah. designs. The sale of those toys for me had absolutely nothing to do with the quality, nothing to do with how good they were, but entirely to do with me realizing I couldn't accomplish what I wanted with the line. Mm. And I probably wouldn't be satisfied with having some and not all. 
And it was just a decision to sell them and get as much space and funds back as I could. And there was a period of time where I saw a lot of people bowing out of collecting it. And I wondered if it was just going to sort of tank as a line. But the opposite has happened. It's almost (laughs) inconceivably more popular and expensive now. And the stuff that I sold, which I struggled to sell, is just being sold at so much more now. And it's just being snapped up to the point where old releases are an absolute pain to find it almost reminds me of like hasui era masterpiece if you came on a little bit late trying to find those earlier releases you'd bite someone's arm off if they made them available i, I think, think it's this line that. very quick th- yeah, yeah yeah maybe I, right. I i think it's like that but to like the nth degree honestly where uh i mean some of the i remember selling my big powered even and it got snapped up pretty quick and it sold for an amount that i was like oh i couldn't believe God. what you sold it for i was just, i yeah. remember contacting you and say are you sure about that price that seems a little bit unreasonably high <laughs> yeah and you said just look at the sold items and i was yeah. like oh 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 yeah <laughs> I, I was actually quite reasonable with it compared to what i could have you know and it's that thing isn't it where you think am i taking the piss but but mm. you know considering it's selling for way more than that maybe not actually and uh yeah no the guy that bought it was was really happy and um well, I hope so. He seemed to be, and uh, yeah. But I, the idea of now trying to rebuy some of that stuff—forget it. I think. Do you know what I mean? It, I was kind of love to have it, but where would you start? I, yeah. I remember there was, like you were saying, then there was a time when everyone seemed to be selling. I, I just remember Diabat was was really cheap for a bit. Like mm-hmm. yeah. it was like people you couldn't get rid of it, and people were selling it for such a low price. And now thirty five, forty pounds loose. Yeah. It was such a, and the the chaos came along as well, which didn't help with that. So oh yeah, all seemed chaos. to wasn't it? I think was the first yeah. run of chaos, and especially the powered suits. So this yeah. is a whole other topic: the, the price element, and a lot of people feeling that they weren't getting that the entry level was too high, and there was nothing they were seeing in the photographs that was justifying the price. And this was especially true of those. I think they were basically working out as twenty pounds shipped if you were lucky for the powered suits, which were these tiny little, you know basically clothes for the Dianauts, and which turned into a box. And uh, they were troop builders. But the way that they were made, I had the KOs as well, because they were in super funky colours. So I thought, well, I'll grab one of those, see what it's like. The difference was night and day in feel. Like those early days of masterpiece car robots, like the Datsuns and the Lamborghinis, when you had an official one in your hand and you played with it so much, you realised this is what the tolerances are like. And then as soon as you had one of the KOs, you realize that tolerance is off. Mm. Uh, this is not an official one. You could feel that immediately with the Diaclone powered suits. The molding wasn't quite as sharp or defined. The accessories didn't quite look like they were quality or fit into the hands. And uh, when things clipped shut, didn't really feel like you had satisfaction. So these tiny things were so well engineered and everything clipped together and there's an experience of handling it that makes you think this is a tiny robot toy with loads of modes which is really fun to handle and it's just so beautifully sculpted and interacts perfectly with the bigger items which I think is where the price came in. It was something as simple as one of the suit models had a visor and when you had the Dianaut inside you could see the Dianaut through this clear coloured visor yeah, on the suit. That. But the bootleg didn't have the visor, so you didn't really have that feeling of some yeah. sci-fi realism. It just didn't have that magic that the official one did. So I always felt those prices were justified. I have some of the, still have some of the knockoff ones of those because they came with something else. I think it's that uh, Mech Fan Toys Omega Supreme. Right. I remember that. Yeah. They bundled with everything. Yeah, but they, 
I still have some of just the pods because I just use them in photography all the time because they just go in the background. They're really yeah. good for that. But you can feel straight away, they feel slightly different to the originals and the way they close, it's not. And it's funny because it's such a, it's just a simple open and closing mechanism, but you can feel it's not quite there's a, yeah, as. There's a precision yeah. to the official stuff. There's a, there's a, I talk about this a lot in terms of transformations and stuff on Transformers toys that, you know, it's like hmm. a, a lot of modern Transformers toys or certainly some, uh, you know, War for Cybertron stuff has that kind of squishy feel to it. And yeah. and that's something I really don't like versus the kind of click clack precision that you get with really superbly well-engineered, well-made toys when they're like, you know, proper top end and they can't be beaten. And Diaclone has that because everything just functions exactly how it's supposed to. You know, if you move a panel or you flip something up or you move a gear, it, it glides into position exactly to the millimeter how it's supposed to be. And it, it's that kind of quality that is hard to replicate, I think. And, and yeah, by all accounts, the, the KOs don't do that. And I think it's for that also worth mentioning that for that reason, although, yes, it is an expensive line, then I can totally understand why people would look at some of the prices of some of those toys and be like, what? You know, in terms of the cost, it always felt value for money for me when you got it in hand. Hmm. Yeah, people say they want to experience the mold, but they're not really experiencing the mold when they're getting one with bad tolerances and not good enough fit. And you don't get that click, click, click ratchet that actually really satisfies you when handling something and makes you want to pick it up and pose it, photograph it, not just saying, okay, now I've felt the shape of this and I know where everything goes. I have now sussed this toy design. You're missing all of that tactile magic that you get with the official releases. and Yeah, I remember having a conversation with, I can't remember who, but someone that had bought a number of the KOs and was was actively trying to, yeah, being a little bit on the nose about it and trying to sort of sum up the, the, the money that they'd saved. Like the amount that he'd spent on these various molds versus what, you know, we or anybody would have spent if you got the official versions. And it was kind of like, yeah... And I take your point. If all you want is some cheap toys, fine. You know, you go your route, whatever. But don't think that we're not kind of getting the official toys and paying the price for them very willingly because that's what we want. You know, so it's, I don't know, it was a weird conversation. It was kind of like a complete unwillingness, I think, to kind of understand why people would ever want to be supporting this very amazing toy line yeah and i think even if you'd gone the ko route i I feel like that would have taken something away from your experience had you then bought an official one because a lot of it was that initial impact of lots of wow moments and nice touches piling up to give you a glowing opinion Mm. of this toy line yeah i think so i think with the suits as well you mentioned about the price of the suits and them being expensive they are in a way the suits are not the thing themselves are they they're kind of like they are i don't want to call them an accessory because that feels like selling them a short they're selling them short a little bit but they're they're part of a more holistic whole aren't they they're like if you've got some of the mechs you've got the bigger robots and then the suits it kind of comes into its own but it's a bit like just buying the dianauts without any of the other stuff or even the suits and then being like well what are these you know it's the the dianauts by themselves unless you liam and you put them in your photographs Then that's not such that's a they're not such a thing by themselves though are they? But with all the other stuff, they are fun and they are cool. Yeah, but those dianauts were making a mockery of what we were getting with masterpiece transformers at that size. Of yeah, figures. it was really making that. Well, if that's what Takara Tomi can do, this is now wholly unacceptable. Yeah. But you're right in that. 
you could just buy the the larger robots. You'd have to wait ages for them because we had dire battles in 2015. And what was it, 2017, by the time we got the next new design, which was big powered. And man, that was a heck of a step up. But it was the difference between having robots on a shelf as appreciable robots or building the universe and immersing yourself in it by having this plethora of troops that could interact with every element of a dire yeah. battles to make it feel like this is a spaceship that loads of people are operating. And it didn't come with enough dianauts for you to fill every canopy originally. Yeah. So you had to sort of buy the extras. Do you think that's maybe what was kind of missing at the start a little bit, like in the early days, was that like more robots, basically more mechs? Because I kind of feel like you're right. There was a huge weight. There was there was Dire Battles and then the Moon Base version, which I got to tell you, I just think was gorgeous. Like in yeah, many ways, spectacular. Maybe maybe my preferred one of the two. Yeah, um, I would say so. Is that the white one? Yeah, grey. Uh, yeah, kind of uh, bluey grey. Uh, there was a white one as well. The kind of co- was it a Cosmo, Cosmo one? Ba- yeah, Cosmo, Cosmo yeah. battles one with the massive uh, cannons and the eye band and you know, that was beautiful stuff. as well, man. And then the, yeah. and then yeah, they did the red the red Cosmo one, which was yeah. also stunning. That's where things start to get really difficult. That yeah. red attachment pack to turn a regular dire battles color into Cosmo was released through Takara Tomi Mall very yes. briefly, and then the second the aftermarket prices of it went mental, and that's when you realised. Oh man, I've really got to be on my game to get every release here because if I don't get them on release somehow yeah. through some agent, I'm going to miss out. And that's when it so started to get really tricky. Actually, just keeping up with what the releases were was a challenge, wasn't it? Because God, it was blimey, like, yes. yeah. it was like, oh, they've released a new thing. Oh my god! And then suddenly you're scrambling trying to find it and like looking on the TFW 2005 or trying to find some reference to what it is or what the code is or whatever and like where'd you get it from and. Uh, yeah, it was it was a weird old thing, uh, but I, I just remember the early days. It was like they did die battles, Moonbase version, fine. Then it was a long wait, big powered, and then was it Battle Buffalo next? Well, that's the thing. Die battles was DA one. I think right, big powered was DA fourteen or seventeen. Just to give you some kind of idea of how many releases were in yeah. between repaints, remolds, repaints, more suits, more repaints, more remolds, and at that point, all you had was a robot that turned into a tank kind of thing separate little vehicles which was the original dire battles and then a spaceship it wasn't until like you say dire uh, big powered came along two years later that we got a base and then yeah. you're like oh right this is now the real thing we've got a base we've got vehicles we've got landing pads we've got a little city mode sort of thing and little places for people to sit and operate machinery oh, with cranes i just <laughs> love it so much. big powered despite not is any- unbelievable I mean, it's, it's, a great toy. it's not as beautiful a robot as Dire Battles because it's not sleek and slender and got these beautiful wings on the side and mega dynamic. It's chonky. But as a toy, man, what I don't know anything that's come as close to being robot vehicle based and that good and interactive and yeah. quality. All that stuff. That's what I always love about it. It's like um, with Starcom, my favorite thing is the Starmax bomber, which is like a god tier toy. But the best feature on it is not the guns, rockets, any of those things with Starcom. It's a little cargo pod bay that opens at the back that you can put in the little uh, crates and stuff. You can put ones with seats for people. You can put vehicles in. It's that motorized thing, and that's what I love about the Diaclone reboot is all that stuff. You know, like the uh, is it the cool big... little Viper bikes that come yes. with uh, dive oh, the bikes. But it's yeah, like um, is it uh. Battle Convoy, is it that one where it's got the little uh, window uh, observation thing that goes up like a lift and stuff like that in the from the trailer? 
Oh, good question. It's got I like feel like I should know that now. That thing, I, hasn't it? I do own that. So I think it does, yeah. It's like a viewing platform. It's all of that stuff. Full disclosure, I'm still working my way through Battle Convoys modes. Not going to lie. Well, at least you've started. I've Full disclosure, started, I'm yeah. just buying them all. <laughs> I've, had, I've had tons of fun with it so far, but yeah, still working. There's a lot of modes, man. There's a lot to it. I can only imagine, yeah. It's it's a daunting that is a daunting prospect with some of the larger toys. Battle Convoy is a great example. So this is, you know, not to jump ahead, but this is the it's Optimus Prime, basically, isn't it? Convoy. It's it's, the, it's based their off the first same mode. big move. Yeah, in crossing that Venn diagram into Transformers, isn't it? It's a weird wow. one. Yeah. It's a weird one. They've done it in the best way as well. I, I, think, I think they've so. done it. I think they've totally done it in the best way because they haven't made it Optimus Prime. They've just yeah. kind of gone with. It's a bit like. I was trying to think of an apt analogy, but something like, you know where you've had, let's say, a book, and then they make a movie about that book, but then separately they make a TV show, and people that have seen the movie are like, well, this TV show is nothing like the movie. But then the TV show was also based based off the book, and they're, they're kind of both taking inspiration from the same source, but they've completely deviated. It's a bit like that in a funny way. The new Mass of the Universe, if you've seen that on Netflix. There you go. It's nothing. It's got some of the names, but it's so different, and it's amazing. Right, so different from the original. But that's what this is like. Exactly that, because it's it's almost like I mean I know it is based off the original toy, but it's it's almost like both of them came from some separate source original to that, and they've spun off in different ways. So you can see the DNA of it, but you know, in that it's a robot that's red and blue with a trailer. But that's basically where the comparisons end. You know, there's not really a lot to it beyond that. Yeah, um, if you think about Diaclone toys originally being spaceships and big robots, and then they became road cars and trucks that could carry stuff in the back, and you think this is what that toy line would have looked like if it had continued as a race of people who were making galaxy-spanning spaceships but needed a carrier vehicle for planetary, planetary operations, and then that's what their Optimus Prime would have looked like. I was just yeah. going to say, this is what you imagine a Diaclone version of Optimus Prime would look like. Like, if you went back into the past and you'd like, when you picture Diaclone, you picture those robots, say, mm. you know, the sort of like die battles, that style robot. And this is what you would picture that Optimus Prime would look like. And it's kind of, kind of, yeah, fun. It, it, it's a, it's a funny old thing handling it because it does have the sort of, DNA almost of Optimus Prime. You know, you, you do kind of, I don't know if it's just the colors or what, but even looking at the the kind of newer version, you know, and the kind of Ultra Magnus thing that's going on now, you know, that mm. we've seen the preview pics of. Powered Convoy, uh, right? Yeah, Powered Convoy. It, it's, um, it doesn't, I mean, it looks even different colors. You know, it's not really Ultra Magnus at all, but there's still that feel of it somehow. It's hard mm. to explain. It's in there. The spirit's in there. And, that's what it's taken like it, like you said you said earlier reimagining and that is so much of what these are yeah, yeah. you just mentioned battle buffalo that was the third of the <laughs> mecha designs we got right that was the first occasion i think where they really tested people's how committed are you to this lines concept? Because this is not a robot with a humanoid face or even no. a masked face. It's a fishbowl. Yeah, yeah. And with a little you, dude sitting in it. Yeah. And the fishbowl comes off and becomes a dude, which yeah. is superb. You know, even, <laughs> that. even that thing can do the run. It's got yeah. enough articulation that the fishbowl man can do the run. Mysterio. Yeah. So this Battle Buffalo figure, 
I felt was a real uh, litmus test for people who were who were into the line. And for me, I think I almost like it more than Dire Battles. I think it's I did. So beautiful, man. It was great. It was a, it was a just generally spectacular toy. Yes. Like I don't know. We're saying that about all of this, so maybe it starts to lose its sort of impact at some point. I don't know. But, but how just, else could you justify paying right. two hundred to three hundred dollars per release every couple of years with yeah. all the crap in between? If it wasn't spectacular, just constantly and consistently. I guess that maybe was that was my point before was that you know because when was Battle Buffalo? It was a good few years into the line at this point. This was it? probably twenty eighteen. So you're yeah. talking maybe three years in. Yes. So we've had Dire Battles, yeah. Big Powered, and then a third mech in yeah. Battle Buffalo. And I think that was my thought at the time. That's the only critique I would have of it, was that they were quite slow with the pace of it, of the mechs mm. specifically, mm. to start with. Whereas now, you know, you look at what's coming out now in the line, and it's like robot, 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 robot. And they're just, yeah. it's all hits, it looks to be anyway. Yeah, yeah. there's and, been a real sea change after Battle Buffalo with the direction absolutely. they went with that line. Absolutely. And it's almost like if they'd have just got those first three big robots out in the first year, maybe you know, 18 months of the franchise feels like that would have been a, a good move that's my only critique i just i really don't see how that could have happened you can see how much money and investment had gone in to future proofing the first toy that came out True. dire battles that's why we got a billion repaints because they had to make their money back out of it somehow and it took them two further years to get big powered out and i cannot imagine how much investment and tooling was required to perfect that toy then we got another one and then another one and then another one <laughs> You're totally right. Of course you are. And, you know, the the the, the kind of logical, uh, you know, reasonable, reasoned part of me knows all of that and knows the logic behind it. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, it was, a, it was a long wait at the start there, wasn't yeah. it? So, of course, you can sit there and reason all of that. But as a consumer, it was just a long wait. That's yeah, it. and I reckon they lost a lot of uh, consumers because of the wait. A lot of people just decided to dive out and recoup their money at a time when there was nothing new. Yeah, I mean, it became an event when they released a big robot. But yeah, Battle Convoy was what, 2021? 2020? Right, yes. Five years after it launched? Yeah, but I think now, you know, you look at some of the the robots that are out there and the big toys and everything, and I don't know, it just looks like an intensely appealing line. Like, I can totally see why people have kind of... It's it's almost like the the proof of concept is done, all of that Mm. bit. You know, there are big robots, small robots some terrific concepts uh and it's it's an it's a no-brainer it, it's sort of become well beyond the scope of what i think anybody could have imagined at the time yeah i think so and we had those triverse figures as well those were the first ones that really made me regret stepping out of the line we had like the drill dasher basically mm-hmm. the the inspiration for them obviously came from the original Diaclone dashes, which became Transformers Power Dashes. But then these guys had some combination aspects and interchangeable parts. You had the drill dasher and all that kind of thing. And they look fantastic. So the line really branched out. And I, I swear, when I was looking at all the different combinations that were possible, that's when my OCD and anxiety will start ramping up and saying, there is no way I could photograph all of this or document all of this. It's just too much fun to be had here. Just it's easier to not do it and not go down that route and miss a release or a color or potential yeah. possible combination. I think it is a daunting line in that regard because there is a yeah the, just so many modes, so many things, so much interactivity, so many you know like if you 
sit and think, oh man, but do I need all the powered suits? Do I need this? You know, even even just something as simple as Battle Convoy, one release, you know, you flick through that instruction manual and believe me, uh, you know, I had in mind to make, it, make a video of the thing to start with and, and pretty quickly I was like, I I don't know how I would that approach That has to be this. a video series. Yeah, I, I genuinely I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do An anthology. I yes. think I did briefly start <laughs> recording it and I was just like, in my head, I was like, "How do you script this? How do you do? It? Do you know what I mean? It's just too much to say." Um, so I will, I will, I do need to still do a write up about it, but it'll have to be done in photos. I think, honestly, yeah, I think so. You know, even with something like Battle Buffalo, which was a contained release and not as big as Battle Convoy or as big as Big Powered, it was just Battle Buffalo. There are modes in that instruction booklet that involve some of the powered suits that came out in the meantime. So you basically, you don't put the fishbowl guy on the head. You keep it separate and you put one of the powered suits in this folded up mode into the head compartment and that kind of mode becomes the head. And it totally transforms the look of the thing. And when you've got all of these combinations possible, even with a self-contained release, that's when you realize what they originally conceived for this toy line and what a majorly expansive idea it was to begin with. And probably why they need to recoup so much money at the beginning with repaints in order mm. to go in this direction. When I mean, people are still waiting for the great robot base, I can't even imagine how much that would cost. How big would it be even? Would it be a Titan class figure? Or would it be commander class? Like how big would this thing be? How intricate? How many parts would it have? It's the parts. Yeah, it's the parts. It's not even the size so much. I, I mean, I was just thinking about the idea of a Titan size, Titan class diaclone toy and i'm like oh man but it, you're right it's the parts count and uh and all of that and all the engineering in it that would be the real expenditure m- even more than the size yeah i, I was just going to ask with battle battle buffalo did one of those that come in white as well it did yeah it did there was that lunar version of it and, and i did have that still i ordered it two years ago and it was pre-pandemic and then i didn't get to london for 20 months so i finally picked it up um in october last year and i thought well i've sold all my diaclone maybe i'll just keep this one because i loved the buffalo and i'll just open this and i'll have some lovely new articulated dianauts and this will be my tribute to the line and i sold it before opening it because i knew what would happen if i'd opened it and i didn't think what this episode was going to do to me and how i'd really regret (laughs) that now yeah, yeah, this episode is. I must admit, I'm already on the old uh, TF Source blog looking at a few. See, see I was just going to say, if it's white, does that mean it's Battle Buffalo Mozzarella? Welcome to the sponsor segment <laughs> with TFSource.com. <laughs> How long have you been sitting on that one, Liam? About two minutes. Oh, <laughs> one sure. of you a minute ago said something about Battle Buffalo. It just popped into my head. I was like, oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> and I bet you were furiously Googling to see if there's a white version. And then when you saw it, you were like, yes. No, that's why I asked. I had to ask. Mm. I, I didn't want to make clicky noises for Mouse to edit out. <laughs> Is this an outro at this point? Or what are we even in? We're not even in a main recording segment, are we? I just love how considerate he is that he didn't want me to have to edit out clicks. But I've basically got to live with that joke he made. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm always thinking of you. That's what it <laughs> Okay, T-shirt battle idea. Buffalo battle, battle Buffalo Mozzarella. I mean, is that... Is that not... well, you know you get the mozzarella balls. That could kind of be the Battle Buffalo's right? goldfish head, couldn't it? This is where there we need are. someone to do, you know, like an artist or whatever, to do quick 
mock-up doodles for us and things. That's just whack it on a t-shirt. Honestly, I'm, I keep saying it, but that's what we This need. is our next thing to advertise. Instead of a red bubble, it's Amazon Pantry triple takeover. Buffalo <laughs> 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 mozzarella. <laughs> oh my god. The Transformers will return after these messages. Right, well, it's that time for our sponsor segment. So we're going to take a look at tfsource.com. Uh, as ever, your source for all your Transformers and third-party needs. And uh, what we always do in this segment of the pod is we take a little look at their website and see what they've got in stock and up for pre-order at the moment. And, of course, they've got quite a lot of Diaclone stuff on there, so that's pretty exciting. Certainly going to be worth mentioning. Uh, but what's caught your eyes on there, chaps? For me, it's the Cyclonus, the toy-style Generation Select one that we did a mini-sode on. Yeah, he's stolen my answer. Same. <laughs> that is the first thing that caught my eye because they've got it on the banner at the top and it's just yeah. so pretty. Yeah, it's really nice, isn't it? You invented it though, didn't you, Mez? <laughs> well, I thought I did. <laughs> and then old Mark Clonus, uh, Mark Meyer, I think his name is, uh, the designer, said that he it was recommended to him to do Toy Colors Cyclonus by uh, Cybertron.com. Probably Ryan who runs it. But uh, I'm still laying claim to the orientation of the roof sticker. That, that's okay. on me. That feels right. That's your thing, man. Yeah, you'll always have that. I mean, we talked about it on the mini but it's a cool-looking colour scheme, isn't it? It's beautiful, yeah. Even on the cartoon Star Robot, it just looks nice. It is a beautiful one, I've got to say. So so what's your answer then, Maz, if Liam's taken that one? Oh, man. Uh, no, that was my answer. No, it's, it's the one thing that caught my eye immediately. The other thing, I guess, but he's just going to make fun of me for saying it, was, was no. the fans' hobby um, Energon Prime. I'm not going to make fun of you. It just looks fans so hobby fun. Lobby about. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's what he's going to say, but it's true. It just looks so fun. That it's, thing looks it, like it would be brilliant fun to just play with, just like their Armada Prime yeah, is. don't so. listen to old Soapbox, honestly. It's a, <laughs> it's a bloody amazing looking toy. I can't wait for it. I'm sold on that. Yeah, a bit of third party dad Bob Prime. That'll be brilliant. It does look yeah. pretty. And my slow trickle into the world of Unicron Trilogy. Yeah. Well, what a way to do it as well, to kind of come to it after all these years and, you know, sort of get, kind of get into it through... Uh, through the third party route but it, you know i know you've been thinking about a couple of vintage toys or whatever in that regard yeah so. i'm still uh still waiting to see if that's going to happen yeah be exciting but yeah i think that that fan topic one looks absolutely amazing gotta be honest i'm dead excited about that uh, i think for me there's a couple of things actually on there i noticed there's a new that cell unicron there's a new anime color of that which is kind of, kind of weird i don't know why they're doing another one of that but um i'm sure some people will be really excited for that one quite a few things at the moment uh, i think i did notice uh, it's not even a transformers thing but i noticed in stock they've got the the old uh three zero uh hulkbuster iron man um i've kind of got my eye on that a bit at the moment that looks uh pretty well exciting. you've got the regular iron man haven't you from three zero i do have the little regular iron man so that it might didn't be look little yeah, he's, he's, compared to the Hulkbuster, he's pretty little. But, yeah, so that might be one that I have to kind of investigate. Are we not all looking at a a certain yellow, shiny Magnus on there? We not, we... Yeah, what, the City Commander version 2.0 yellow? That's the dude. The yellow snow Magnus right there for you. There's only one yellow Magnus in my heart, and I own it already. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool that they did a little third-party legend scale yeah. thing, though. I think that's ace. Uh, and of course, um, TF Source do have numerous Diaclone in stock as well. Uh, I don't dare so, look. I really don't. <laughs> I was going to say, would I you dare click on the dare link? Look. Because they do all look now. They all look the brilliant. They all look brilliant. Okay, and well, just do me a favor. Click on the page and have a have a quick look, 
and just the first thing that appears, literally the first thing. Good heavens. I know, right? Like, oh my god. I think uh, I mentioned this the other week, the DA-92 armor wrap combination powered convoy. It's just that first picture, dude, that is just breathtaking. I just can't get over how good that looks. It's, it's uh, what to say about it? I'm a bit speechless. Even the DA-85 powered greater in vehicle mode a couple of items along. That yeah. looks great. It does. It's kind of like a Skylink's like, folded up the bottom half, isn't it? <sighs> Stop it. And they've got <laughs> DA-91 super heavy equipment pod gantry. Everybody knows I love a gantry. Uh, I, I've often said about you, that boy loves a gantry. And uh, yeah. lo and behold, here it is. In stock. And look, it comes with a tiny little rolling Optimus Primer-like. Yeah, it's like a little roller, isn't it? I don't know, yeah. Screw I, those guys. I love the little <laughs> motorbike that comes with that little sort of like black vehicle thing. Oh, yeah, that, that looks cool. It reminds me of the, um, it comes with Star Convoy, the little MicroMaster pod thing. It is a bit like that, isn't it? There's some amazing stuff, man. Honestly, the I'm not, one that... I'm not happy about this. I'm, I'm not. What about this. looking at this page? Yeah, yeah, this is not helping anything at all to do with any aspect of my life right now. So, so is then... that going to be the the end of this advert? Is it saying <laughs> stuff was available, but it's not now. Yeah. It hasn't sort of bought it all. <laughs> That's the one. This is the Don't one. Look I was, at me. I was... Oh no! It wasn't you who directed us here. Well, look, look at DA74 Triverse Tri Rambler D. This is a robot I remember seeing the prototype for and thinking, God damn, that is how you present a robot. Just That's with hot. the massive wheel shoulders. God, how good does that look? It's like a Tron bike transformed. Exactly yeah. what that is. Yeah, it's, it's what I love about it. It's so unapologetic, isn't it? It's just like, yep, it's got wheel shoulders. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> totally swings into the concept in the absolute best way. Uh, it's just remarkably good. Oh, there's a red version. Oh, they've, got, they've got a Gridman crossover as well. Yeah, they? yeah, they do, they do. Yes, yeah. The Gridman one looks really intriguing. Actually, I've often looked at that and thought, "Ooh, that's a really stunning robot mode." Mm. Like a really, really good looking robot mode. Enough of this now, please. <laughs> just stop right there. <laughs> You're gonna just keep scrolling down the page. That's the worst part. You see, if you had skipped two, three years of Diaclone at the start, you, you missed repaints. That's all you did. You missed repaints, maybe one figure. Now I'm looking at how much I've missed, and it's just a catalogue of amazing-looking proper mechs that have been missed. Yeah, breaks your heart a little bit, doesn't it? Tiny amount, but I dread to think the amount of space I would have lost to... I would have had to just stop collecting Transformers, I think. Mm, yeah, quite possibly. Well, maybe don't keep scrolling down that page then, because there's plenty more goodness to go on there. <laughs> it's a long page. It's a long page. There's a lot of stuff in stock that you could order right now. So anyway, we'll leave it there for the old sponsor segment, shall we? So thank you very much to TF Source. You do have some lovely stuff going on on your page right now. Let's say let's say that. Uh, and yeah, do check them out, tfsource.com, for all your Transformers and third-party needs and all your Diaclone needs as well. How about that? We now return to the Transformers. So getting back onto Diaclone, not that we really got off Diaclone, but I guess it was kind of interesting to look at the bad guys, wasn't it? Because... I was going to say before, I was thinking it before, that in many ways, the Waruda stuff was really interesting for me to see in the reboot line, you know, the, the reimagining line, whatever you want to call it. Because, I don't know, Warudas were always something that was kind of a bit of an, an enigma for me, if you like, in the original lineup. And obviously, they became the in, Insecticons, but there weren't just never as many toys were there made ultimately and kind of a bit left to the side almost in terms of representation. But here now they've gone seemingly quite full hog 
with these new Waruda toys. And I think what I really like about them is that they seem completely different to the Yeah, yeah. it could be a completely different toy line. Exactly. There were original Diaclone Waruda toys beyond the Insecticons. Oh, of course. The big Warudaros was the bad guy. That was also made up of... But it looked very much like a mech still. Yeah. They had walk insectors as well, and they had the insectoid dianauts, the Waruderoids. (laughs) It just sounds like something you should see a doctor about. This was a massive turning point for the line, and they started off small with the little Waruda suits, Mm. which in themselves were great. You know, multiple modes, multiple combinations, and then you got two of them together, and then they joined, and then you could just pile them up. You could probably connect 40 of them into this cloud. People went crazy with them, didn't they? I remember some of the pictures on social media. It was like, I mean, like you said, like 40-odd of these Waruda suits all kind of mangled up into some massive monster mode. It was just incredible what people were able to do with it. I think it's at that point uh, where you got folks coming in and thinking, right, now there is an antagonist in the line. I can picture in my head what a toy display would look like and a collection would look like. And at the same time, you had those who thought, oh, you know what? This is just out of hand now. Beyond all the powered suits and versions of Dire Battles, I now have... 34 different of these Waruda suits to get to make this crazy 15 tentacled beast that will kill my Diaclone toys. And then came the monster itself, the the Waruderos, the Gigantor, I think it was something like that. Mm. This enormous bad guy boss figure, which was you know, pushing $400. Yeah, I mean, just insane amounts of money. And it's remarkable looking, like absolutely gorgeous, but... I was so amazed that this didn't just kill the lion dead, but it actually made more people buy in. I remember the Diaclone thread on TFW, suddenly people going, right, this is my entry point now. Really? Right, I'm going to get this because this is the bad guy I've been looking forward to. And they have their big powered and this guy, and they were in. And they did so many versions of these Waruda uh, things. Like you could get a pack of attachments that made this scorpion-like creature or they made this little dragon-like creature or raptor. The raptor was the last one I bought and it was really great, but it was just like a box of parts. Mm. It was like wheels and cabins and claws and like rings and segmented tail sections. And then you sort of assembled it into this thing. And of course, you could then combine it with the Waruda suit. Now, don't get me wrong. These were every bit as impressive as the Diaclone toys. And they were beautiful gunmetal, like nickel kind of color as well, with translucent green, translucent purple, translucent blue and red, and fantastic little Waruderoid pilots, which were almost cooler than the the normal guys. This is just, it was beautiful what they were doing with it. And like you said, it looked like a totally different toy line. Yeah, it just had its own kind of distinct energy to it. Even the little uh, Waruda, uh, you know, figures themselves, the little tiny guys, uh, just uh, felt very alien. Uh, and that's the best word that I can use in every sense, you know, for how they felt versus the sort of Dianauts. Uh, and I love that. It just, I don't know, it had a real kind of different energy to it. Um, and I've only experienced, it, you know, a few of them firsthand. So I just, every single new Waruda toy that came out, and now there are some that are like the, the, like the sort of big dragon mechs and things like that, that just look incredible. I'm just in awe of them, honestly. I continuously see them pop up in pictures 
Uh, and, and, you know, uh, people like Sid now have their hands on them. Dire Brave Sid, as I think you might be known online, uh, that, that had these toys in line. And they just do absolutely incredible pictures of them. It's just amazing. The thing is, they, they themed them as well, just like they did with the Diaclone Heroic releases. So they all had like the marine colored versions as well. With these Warudas, they have the dark cathode versions, which are almost like a darker gunmetal gray with different translucent parts. So they've taken this massive $400 figure and just done a repaint. <laughs> you know, the, now go buy that. You know, it's just right. nuts. But people are doing it because they're all in. It's right. so good. I can imagine if you can afford it and you have the space, every release is a banger like this. It's like, why would you stop? It's brilliant. Yeah, give us more, you know. Do you not think that's really impressive, though, in the context of how collectors tend to go? Like, when something new comes in that's different from the old thing, they tend to be like, oh, I don't like this. I'm not on board. But Because th- this is so far removed. You know, like G1 to Beast Wars and this whole schism it caused. But then you look at this and it's like it's just accelerated it. And it's it's incredible that pumping this new thing with such life into it has brought about this kind of response. I'm just kind yeah. of like fascinated. Yeah. It's true. Even within the same line, you've got massively mecha Transformer-style robots and then you've yeah. just got Zoids. Just- I was going to say, yeah. Zoids on LSD. That's what right. they look like. They're crazy. But they, it's the way you look at them. They're they're so far removed from what the other toys are. It's incredible. Yeah. But but I'm just like looking at some of them here, and it's quite cool because like look at them. I can sort of see like R.I.D. Megatron. You know that kind of curvy look. Yeah. You kind of can see how they got there from Transformers. And look in this, you're like, oh man, it feels like a little familial sort of vibe going on here. Yeah, it's a good it's a good comparison actually. I remember taking a photo of Battle Buffalo with one of those Waruda Raptors, two toys that look like they're from different lines, but they have so much in common in terms of the detail that you've got Battle Buffalo holding his two-handed rifle, his big translucent orange fishbowl head and antenna piloted by a human. And then you've got what looks like a, a mechanoid dragon dinosaur with claws and the same sort of metallic colors. And you just think, yeah, they belong together. This is what people have been waiting for, good versus evil in this line. And now they have it on every scale, from the powered suit scale to the medium-sized robots to the massive boss-style leader-class kind of figures. And it's incredible that we're talking about adult collectors, and I'm not like on it just being changed, but that fact of having good versus evil, having the bad guys, having goodies versus baddies, that still connects, no matter how old you are or what you're doing, it's still about having the toys that can battle each other. That's yeah, what it comes down to the day, isn't it? So having that yeah. thing. This whole amazing. line is about play. This yeah. whole line is about play, uh, play amazing. pattern and fun. And it's this so... just ties into that completely. Yeah. Like I just look at it and I see Starcom and when you let me do an episode on that someday, we'll go <laughs> we'll go for miles. Email triple takeover. <laughs> Wait, when I get my shadow parasite, we'll do the episode. <laughs> but like it's just incredible, like there's so much of this feels like it's a toy line made for adults, but a toy line. And I, yeah. I can't express enough how different that is from where we constantly come from with Transformers. Yeah, where we yeah. talk. The separation, there is a very different sort of vibe going on. It's got it to really be is. said, man. Every time I've put one of these Diaclone toys in front of my daughter, she's gone mad for it. Like, absolutely mad. She could play with those Dianauts for hours. And just the base modes and the, the small vehicles Ooh, with the yeah. canopies... She absolutely loves it. It is for kids as well. And if you trust your kids with these toys not to break them and you just lay it out, they will have a blast. It is kind of for kids. Okay, sure, it's super high-end and expensive, some delicate parts, but on the whole, pretty robust toys, especially the way you have to disconnect Big Powered's legs, man. That's frightening, but it can take it. 
it's it's that thing it? it appeals to adults and kids in the same way that same point of reference of wanting to play with toys not just being a certain age just it's that core having toys to play with and just that fun creating your own worlds and stories and things and it's it's a very different thing to adult collectibles or whatever it's such a different yeah. thing this this toy line nails it in a way i don't think anything else does because like modern star wars toys for example they are still toys but again they go on a shelf and same with transformers all these franchises everything is so geared toward adults whereas this even though it is it feels like someone whoever's on the that design team was like we've got to make something we can play with with our kids as well at the same time or ask kids inside it's amazing incredible i think you've absolutely nailed it and mm. at the risk of bringing in an unfavorable comparison or anything. I know we were talking recently about some of the kind of modern, uh, like Generations toys and Transformers and things like that, and saying that there's a little bit with some of the gimmicks on some of those toys, that what they do is they approximate something from, you know, decades prior, and they they sort of copy it in a way, but in a way that where it's not done as well as maybe what the original toy did. Great right, example. It, exactly. That kind of thing. And this could have Metro so easily... <laughs> okay, there you go. That's a callback for you. There we go. Uh, but this could have Episode so easily... One callback, isn't it? <laughs> I think it was. This could have so easily been that, right? Like, it could have been yeah, man. a total sort of fudged rehash, as it were. And not, I sound like I'm being dismissive of, of Generations Toys, and I'm not, because they have the absolute merits. But in many ways, the gimmicks... Name seven. Is, what benefits of generation toys? That's an episode in itself. <laughs> I could name plenty, honestly. Uh, you know, fantastic. He's about to start on toys. Studio Series Hot Rod, isn't he? Ooh, this is yeah. where we're going. <laughs> we haven't had that yet. I'll tell you what. That's a great example of a deluxe class figure at a Voyager price range that has been placed at that price range because of everything the toy does, and it's kind of central to why some of these toys are so expensive too, at their size. I think we've. We spoke about this over the years with with Transformers, for example. There's there is a point, isn't there, where you accept you either get the toy just for the sake of getting the toy, or you pay that premium to have it sort of not complete, but like better quality and without a compromise. And I think that's what you get with the Diaclone. You accept it costs a lot of money, but you never come in out of it feeling like oh. There's hollow pieces or they've got yeah. a corner here. And that's very different with like a with generations or stuff where you might get, say, uh, Skids, who looks like Skids, but you're like, it doesn't feel quite like the same. It's not got the die cad. All these things are different. You feel like you're getting a cheaper product. It's great. It's still a great toy. But it's not the same as when you go to the Diaclone toys and you feel like every base is covered. You n- there's never a moment where you feel like, oh, I could have done with this or this has been cut back for the sake of cost. You accept there's a place you're willing to go with the price isn't there i think that's you're, absolutely that spot on. There. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's a it's a premium toy line it's it's yeah. not cheap at all but again i reiterate what i said earlier it feels value for money in its way do you know what i mean like no, every every pound or dollar or whatever currency you spend on it you feel that in the product and i think that's that's fair and you don't get those sorts of compromises actually i'd say the, the only time i ever felt like, oh, okay, maybe this would have been nice, was on Dire Battles, I would have liked, not necessarily totally articulated hands, but the ability to open the fingers would have been nice, mm. whereas they were just closed-molded fists. But even those, they feel like specific design choices. They don't feel like like um, Generations, uh, what's his face, Ironhide, with the feet on the back. It, right. It's very obviously they just 
they didn't have the extra budget, whatever they needed to go and do it. And it's not the same, whereas I feel like the fists on that are a choice that they made. It's not for the sake of budgets yeah. or cutting a corner, anything like that. It's, you know, it's very much deliberate. Yeah, I, th- I feel particularly as it was the first figure. Hmm. And, and, you know, that's just the one example that I can think of across yeah. the whole line that I have yeah. experienced and then seen in videos and pictures and whatever else. So it really is like, you know, <laughs> I'm scraping yeah. the barrel for something. Um, and even then, it's not that bad. I mean, it never detracted from my enjoyment no. of the toy. Whereas, yeah, I, I, I agree with your point that it's a very definite thing, different thing, when you then get a design that's really nice, but it's been paired back in terms of yeah. hollow plastic and, you know, or even the quality of plastic, and you can see that, or the paint apps have been reduced and things like that. You know, that's an obvious budgetary thing where it's been scaled yeah. back to fit a price, and there isn't that with Diaclone at all. And and coming back to your point, Maz, you know, about some of the sort of uber-expensive top models that they've made, there clearly isn't much of a ceiling with this stuff where they're like, oh, that's going to be... That's, that, yeah, you know. great robot base. I'm just sitting here thinking, are we looking at four figures for a, for a mass release version of this thing? Like, Is, is that going to be where they go with, with how ambitious they're going to be once they've seen how many people have bought Battle Convoy and how many people are going to buy that DA-92 monster and then the Warudaros guy as well, the dragon? Like, How many sales have they made yeah. that justifies bigger figures do you think they'd part it up like split it into pieces and then like that way do you think because it's oh, a very yeah. I was a kind like, of fans toys omega supreme way yeah but but diaclone this reboot lends itself to that doesn't it uh, it does toys in parts and connecting stuff so i often wonder if they'll split it up into sections hey, it's entirely up. possible <laughs> I was just going to say, we should spend some time talking about their accessories. Because one of the things that really got me about Dire Battles was how cool his guns were. Mm. He had all sorts of guns, really cool uh, attachments to the side of his head. You could have short ones, super long ones. And then he had swords and sword the, the clips. Swords were cool. The so swords he could attach cool. it to the wings. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. came with everything. The sword clips was a strange one because it was almost like they could have just been fitted onto the wings to begin with. Mm. You know, you could have just had them as a, like a molded piece glued on or whatever. But the fact that they're like a little separate accessory that you then attach sort of made it more interesting in a way. I don't know, but they're super tiny little parts and everything, weren't they? So I, I, it was the wings for me on that toy that always got me. It was the fact that you could configure the wings in not one, not two, not three. A dozen ways? I don't know. Yeah. You could have them up slightly at an angle. You could have them folded round. You could have them kind of compacted behind him. You could have them upside fully down. spread out. Upside down. I, I quite like kind of angled them, you know, and, and kind of had them like a slight diagonal, but kind of pointing forward, like, you know, proper guns, because mm-hmm. uh, they had little guns on them as well. It was just exceptional amount of play value. And uh, honestly, that toy, I'm sitting here now thinking – Bloody hell, do you know what I mean? But I, I just had so much fun fiddling around with it. Yeah. Endless hours of just like literally looking at it and just being like, oh, I'll just display it like this now and how engaging it was. Just what a, what a toy. That's the other side of what you were talking about earlier when you were saying about the different variants and stuff. From a collector's perspective, it's hard to get them all. But the other side of that coin is it's choice, isn't it? And that's so much of what, like you were just saying there, you have so many options to make these toys into what you want and do what you want with them. Yeah. And the same with all the repaints and stuff. There are so many for 
if you aren't a completist, there is something there for you in whatever color you want or all these slightly different versions. And that, I think that's another part of this tournament. What's so great is there are a million options, not just in how you play with it, but what you can buy. And yeah, it's fantastic. Another really major benefit of this line was it launched around the same time as Titan's Return. And of course, Titan's Return was the return of Headmasters en masse and toys with these canopies that you could then utilize with all the all the Headmaster figures, Titan Master figures that came with them. And I remember mixing and matching the first wave of Titan's Return figures with the, with the Dire Battles and thinking, you know, there's something here. You know, a lot of those Titan's Return figures without their heads, especially Topspin and Twin Twist, were very easy to pose like powered suits and just configure like powered suits. So there was a bit of mixing and matching between those toy lines. And I just think, Sixer, if you bought a Dire Battles today or any Dire Clone toy, if you think about your photography and how it's moved along, even from the standard you started at, the kind of toys that we have now, even think about Fans I'll Be Armada Prime, the trailer that comes with it. Yeah. Just imagine with a little bit of creativity what you could create diorama-wise just with all the vehicles. I mean, how many photos did I use various dire battles and big powered parts as futuristic looking towers in the back just because if you put them upright they look like a futuristic city i remember you you didn't you do that with some of your like titans and things like that and you had yeah um, you know various little like dire battles arms pointing upwards and stuff well like that, exactly yeah and then like a galaxy meteor like flying in with just die battles standing upright looking like some futuristic city they're great for that kind of thing and just like liam used those boxes from the powered suits i would just line photos with those and it looked like it was some futuristic warehouse or something to be fair i am not as good at that kind of stuff i think in terms of creativity and stuff of of dioramas and things liam's very good at it and i always thought it was ironic that i know you've said to me before uh or to us before that you know your photos are much simpler in terms of the backdrops and whatever else but when you really get going with those dioramas it's like nothing else, man. Honestly, like yeah. I, don't, I don't, I couldn't do that. Do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't know where to begin building some of the kind of little cityscapes and coins. things. And not at all, The the mass toys bumblebee is it? Which one was it? Where he sort of looks like he's pulling the rods out of the floor. Yeah, and like, it was so cool. Thing, that was cool. Yeah, that was the um, that was mostly Trypticon. Yeah, but that's that what I mean. Used, you used yeah. so many different little parts yeah. in the background stuff to create an illusion of a city. It's the ability to look at stuff. And, and this is kind of, in a way, coming back to the, the the play pattern of the toys as well. And there's, I've often thought, like, I'm not saying that I'm not a creative guy or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I have that element in in some respects, but like, there's there's a way of using these toys that I think my brain is much more like I open it and and I kind of follow what the instructions tell me to to a certain extent. Whereas you're much more like, okay, what else can this do? What else can I mix it with? And it's the ability to look at stuff that is actually very, um, uh, how to put it, like sort of you're told to use in one certain way, but to look at it in a different way and think, okay, actually, if I turned it on its side or put it upside down and uh, blurred it out a little bit in the background and put it with this other thing, it'll look like something completely else. And my, my brain doesn't naturally do that. Like, and I don't, you know, I find that a bit of a, a sort of a challenge in a way. Do you know what I mean? Whereas uh, you do it very instinctively and do it very well. Well, I appreciate it. But you should definitely like give credit to the designers because I think they probably had a little bit of this vision when they designed these toys. I think it was um, HQT Huang who did, uh, it was almost like 
a tiger or some kind of tiger creature he made out of the dire uh, battles and big powered parts or buffalo parts. It I was remember unbelievable. That. Yeah, I remember that. Lad. Yeah, he is. Wonderful man. Yeah. Uh, who I'm looking forward to seeing at TF Nation this year, I might add. Definitely, Hope so. Yeah. Hope so. Also, I-, I wanted to say that when these Diaclone toys first came out, just handling those toys and how it fired my imagination, I was listening to a lot of Droid Bishop and synth music at the time as well. And I remember this was a time when I was walking for, you know, for ages and on public transport for ages. I would just listen to this music and think about these toys. And I just thought up this entire live action series of Diaclone and just how amazing these figures would be if it had its own series with this synth soundtrack. The way these things fired my imagination was in way beyond what Transformers do to me these days, to be perfectly honest. You you put uh, you tagged a lot of the music, didn't you, on the photos? Every single diaclone picture, yeah, was tagged with a song that I would have been listening to when editing those photographs, and, and just this picture in my mind of where in the storyline this would be unfolding. But and they just kept on going with the toys and the releases, and there was no shortage of synth music to put it to. Dude, how, how are you how are you going to get to the end of this episode and and legit tell us that you're not going back in on diaclone? Come on, man, come on. Well, that's the thing, man. Like there was no reason <laughs> to stop beyond finance and space i mean the desire and appreciation of the toys has never gone anywhere i yeah, almost no. so close to opening that um buffalo mozzarella toy i had it was so <laughs> such there a close call yes yeah, thing now it's just done but uh honestly i remember when you were starting something off it was a really sad moment for me because i remember, was like your love for that is was always in, quite incredible it was a very i still get tagged on that. tfw yeah at least once a month it's like someone will be kind enough to say i was inspired by maz's photo of dire battles because that thing was a revelation man i just don't think we'd had anything like it at the time it feels very much like your corner of all, a lot of this as well that very much lives there i think sort of uh, i think there's a day like everything i get into i talk about too much and over photograph <laughs> over overzealously go for it giving him a platform now what we're gonna do man i i would i do you know what i would think that we might have almost the perfect project in the works behind the scenes that i can't talk about too much now because it hasn't gone public but that would be a fantastic avenue for you to regularly talk about getting back into diaclone Yes. You're an evil man, so you're you're a really evil person who takes joy in the suffering of others. No and suffering. This is a wonderful example of that. that everyone's going to realise when when that announcement comes through. No suffering. No suffering. I know because I think you enjoy this line actually, and I think that you would would enjoy oh, experience again. But I would but, do it so differently a second time. So yeah. very differently. I think you. That's uh, the perspective you need. Exactly. Right. That is, is the perspective you the need. The distance and, from it and the time. Yeah. That is what I'm thinking. Is that uh, the uh, trying to say it in a nice way? But I think you created you, some rules and roadblocks for yourself the first time around that probably <sighs> made it difficult. So without that, if you can just kind of free yourself from that, have uh, I told you about my mini spy collection? Right. <laughs> Have you shown us your mini spy collection? I couldn't. I couldn't fit it on the screen. <laughs> I bought one this week, you know. <laughs> How is it still going? I thought you had them all. No, there's over 90. But I thought you already had more than that. No, I don't. I had over 100, I think, in total, but so many duplicates. I mean, I think I've completed about four other people's mini spy collections in the space of so the you last did have years. more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the right ones. We should talk about some of the reasons why people don't get into this line, though. And I think there are some major drawbacks that people, beyond cost and beyond size, 
I think it's the lack of recognizable characters and media or accessible media that turned some people off. I remember people bought Dire Battles, loved it, but within two, three months, they'd sold it because they said, it doesn't really mean anything to me. Yeah. It doesn't fit into my collection. It's not a character that I can get behind or identify with. Very common thing. It's like a Star Saber thing, isn't it? That people people like the idea of Star Saber, but then they're like, it's like with Masterpiece, uh, you know, MP24, yeah. where people were like, well, I like this toy, but I, I don't give two hoots about the character, so I'm going to sell it on. Same thing. Do you think that's coming from the perspective of us being in the Transformers fandom, though? So we're looking at Transformers fans buying these toys and why they're not buying Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Other people are saying about it because, yeah, but that's what I am. I'm a Transformers yeah. fan. I came to Diaclone through Transformers, yeah. you know. But that's what I mean. Like we're talking about Transformers fans sacking it off after a bit because it's not Transformersy enough, mm-hmm. almost. But I imagine, like you said, like it's obviously selling more and more because it's just going from strength to strength, isn't it? So I mean, beyond that, also there are so many releases to fully appreciate all of the things that these toys do. You have mm-hmm. to spend a lot, and if someone got into the line today and they were to ask you. What's the first figure I should buy in this line to sell me on it? I mean, most of us would say Dire Battles, wouldn't we? Mm, or some yeah. people would say Get Big Powered. Getting a Big Powered is no simple matter now. You can't just go online and find one. Like A lot of the stores were sold out of them pretty soon afterwards. Or Battle Convoy is the one that most people want. And that is yeah. not going to be cheap and it's not going to be easy. I think Kapow still have it in the UK, but that might just be one of the only places left that have Battle Convoy. It's already going for like $400 aftermarket in some places. So there are quite a few barriers now for people to get into this. It's, it's the character, it's the, it's the fiction, it's the cost, space, and just the difficulty in obtaining the historical figures in the line that are now in collector hands. I, I wouldn't know where to begin, honestly. Like if you plunk, even having collected some of the line previously, if you plunk me down now and you were like, you know, crack on with it where what do you know what yeah. i mean what would be the first purchase you've you already make? got it you're halfway through playing with it i think well that's right I, I have the I one think. i have the one yeah yeah, yeah for sure that's, that but, feels like the pinnacle of the to- toy line really doesn't it that's the one to get if you could get any of the ones i think in a way yeah although i think it's that's from a transformers perspective maybe yeah. I, I i think if you putting transformers completely to one side i'd be tempted to say that there are releases i'd go for Mm. Ahead of Battle Convoy, actually, like Big Just, Powered and something yeah, like that. Battle Buffalo, I think. Battle Buffalo is, is, a, is amazing. Yeah, I really, I love pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about the standard version with the uh, with the orange. It was that lovely. was yeah something about that translucent orange fishbowl head was just magical and it photographed better than most toys i've ever owned man that thing came out astonishingly well in photos it was really good i i you know i almost kind of feel like um i never made the most of diaclone in photography um what you said before about like oh you know imagine what you could really do with it there is part of me that would like love to have another crack with some of it because just the kind of endless possibilities and it's gonna happen (laughs) starting tonight that's what I mean. People listening now are going to be mm. like, oh, that's why all these photos have been popping up this last week. <laughs> yeah. This is the origin story of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This is episode six, Mark two. <laughs> this is the <laughs> next Vinyl Tech and Alternators episode. <laughs> Remember, though, when these things were coming out, Masterpiece was full throttle, right? Yeah. There were so many important yeah. Masterpiece toys coming out that this was a competing financial issue and space issue and focus issue. I don't really feel it's the same now. I really don't. 
Well, it's still a space issue, let me yeah. put it that way. But very much a space issue. Just think, you could have all of Transformers else. and all of Diaclone. I don't have all of Transformers. To go with all yeah. of Mask. <laughs> You're one to talk. Look, we've got old Billy Soapbox over there with these massive tubs of whatever behind him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> My tip. <laughs> right, exactly. My toy tip. Oh. We have a toy tip. Just because you've cleared out your details. Yep. Nothing here. Nothing to see here, mate. Right. You're getting <laughs> a bit cocky for someone that's just put everything in tubs for the night. Do you know what I mean? You, you did just hit on something there, so like, I, f- I actually feel like talking about it now. I actually feel really sad that I wasn't that big into photography when I was when I bought Die Battles as I am now. Yeah. Like, and I wish I had those toys now to. Because I think if I'd have been into photography at the same point, then I think I would have continued with it more then. Whereas then it was just like, once I got the first one, I was like, this is fantastic. And then the price was so high going forward. It's like, yeah. not into it enough to carry on. Whereas now with photography, I'd be like, I would have probably have carried on and been like, oh God, this would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I could Play value that. off the scale. Yeah. Photography value, just crazy, untouchable. Mm. Yeah, totally. I remember having real fun taking a couple of pictures in my garden, actually, of them, just like on oh yeah, uh, on some rocks and things like that. And uh, just great fun. Just really... That's what right. Just... They are great in uh, a natural location. I, yeah. I submitted my big powered photo out in nature to, to Tick Nat's UK calendar one year. That was like my favorite photo that year was just taking them outside. Agreed. It was one of the best ones in that calendar. I remember it. I love that photo. That's oh, one with so the earth exploding. The yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really oh, amateur good... Photoshop particle effects. Yes. <laughs> that was, that's what we, we all do that. <laughs> Yeah, no, man. I, I don't know. Would I ever get back into it? Yes, you would. You will. Never, never say it. never, I suppose. You have. Yeah. If for people you have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's an open one this in your home. <laughs> this is why he's moving to a new house. It's for his yeah. whole diaphragm collection. Right. Okay. Very funny. No, there is one in my house. There is one. And I, I um, may, you know, maybe a cheeky Waruda. I think if I was going to get in on any more now... <laughs> Uh, it would be the the Waroodas that I would kind of look at. I can't even bloody say the name. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm like, like a cheeky Waruda, like a cheeky pizza or a cheeky Nando's. Cheeky Nando's, exactly. <laughs> that's the level we've... That's what, that's what a Waruda is. It's like a cheeky Nando's. So, to kind of sum up then, because I feel like we've done a good job maybe at extolling a lot of the virtues about Diaclone and talked about it in great detail. And we always said, uh, and as you explained at the start of this, that this wasn't going to be a kind of catalogue list, if you like. It wasn't going to be a this toy, this toy, this toy, that it was going to be very much kind of broad brushstrokes of what we really kind of enjoy about the line and, and, you know, some of the kind of highlights and things like that. But if you absolutely had to very succinctly sum up and sell the line to someone how would you do it i would say it's top end engineering mixed with top end presentation all held together with a sort of unlimited play pattern that gives it soul quality uh, and it fires your imagination and creativity and if there's anything else a toy line needs i don't think this toy line is missing it possibly just accessible fiction is about the only thing i think it's missing 
to draw people in from from all sides. But other than that, I think it has everything. It's an event. It's an experience. When you get one of the bigger toys and you open it, you are hooked for ages and you will just spend time playing and having fun and following the instructions. And then you'll start looking at your own creations and what else you would like to buy to augment it. And it goes with stuff you probably already own, whether that's vintage Transformers, vintage Diaclone, well, especially vintage Transformers because of the Dianauts, or modern toys like Titan's Return or even Masterpiece. I, I remember mixing Masterpiece toys with my Diaclone. I put Shining Magnus in the middle of a Diaclone diorama, surrounded it with big powered and stuff like that. The sky's the limit. And if you like bugs and bad guys, there's a completely alien faction to get into as well. And the toys are motorized, some of them, and just full of surprises. All scales covered. What else do you want? It's got everything. It just has everything, and it's so much fun. I said succinctly, didn't I? That's as succinct as I get. You haven't read one of my articles. <laughs> right, indeed. Very passionate. Very passionate. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. Not really sure how to follow that one up now. Liam? With a purchase. <laughs> well, for me, I think this toy line is, it's that, we're all Transformers collectors and there's this moment where every time you get a new toy or a vintage toy, there's this moment when you pick it up for the first time and instantly you're connected back to how you were when you were a child and why you loved this stuff in the first place. And for me with these, it's when you pick them up, it's those toys are yours and there's no fiction or anything around it that tells you what this toy is. If I pick up Sunstreaker, that's Sunstreaker that I know from comics, cartoons, blah, blah, blah. With this toy, it's when I would, if I'd have picked up some trick as a kid, I would have had a bio, and then everything else would have been my imagination. And that's what these toys are. Every part of them is I pick it up, I turn it into what I want to turn it into, and it's just my imagination going. And I think that's the most perfect summation of this line to me is it makes me feel like a child. But the things I really loved about playing with toys as a child, and that's it, really. Lovely. I think that's absolutely incredible, but somehow entirely different summation of it all and, and equally as relevant. I think that's uh, two fantastic perspectives. I don't really know what to add to that now, if anything. It's probably a bit redundant. but You I could think... add the entire toy line to that, <laughs> I think. You're doing your best to, to really work on me in that regard. I think there's a little bit of um, uh, projection going on there. I think that Not you're... just a little bit. Right, exactly. I, love that it just, I just know both of you are going to have bought all these toys by the end of this. <laughs> Not just six, though, both of you. <laughs> no, nah, man. No, I don't, At least one. I don't have the... Maybe it, went, it may be a cheeky Waruda, as I say. That's... Uh... <laughs> That's a, that's a different thing. Yeah, the $400 five. one. <laughs> right. <Massive one. laughs> yeah. Just a little, just a little wafer thin yeah. Waruda. Never know. Might see. But yeah, I don't know. If I had to say something about it, I think it's just a gift, man. It's, you know, there are, there are lots and lots and lots and lots of reasons to not get in or enjoy this line or appreciate it. We've talked about many of them. The price, the complexity of it all. You know, the the where do you start? How do you get on board? The pace of it, you know, the space. All of these are good reasons to not buy it. And even, you know, I can understand why a lot of trans fans, Transformers fans, look at it from afar and go, huh, what's up with that? Do you know what I mean? Like, the, there's, there's all of that to it. But it's very worth it. And I think if you can get on board and you can keep up with it or even just kind of get a couple of toys to appreciate, what a gift. You know, it's it's absolutely a fantastic toy line. Yeah. And Dire Battles at this point is seven years old, and I bet it doesn't feel like it's aged a day if you get one in hand now. It's still gonna be like, wow. Yeah. And not in a vintage way. Yeah. 
合体ワルダー軍団ワルダロスに対決するダイヤクロン隊ガッツブロッカー隊ワルダロスダイヤクロン So that's going to about do it on Diaclone. I mean, what else is there to say at the end of the day? We've done a, a pretty good summation of the line.、Uh, let's、uh, move on now and talk a bit about our Patreon again. Because,、uh, Maz, we've got、uh, a bit of a question coming up, I'm sure. But do you want to tell us about Patreon? Right. So, Patreon. You say Patreon and I say <laughs> Patreon. I, I notice it every time and I'm like, am I saying it wrong? Are you saying、okay, it wrong? It's all about Patreon. Just remember him. Oh, man. For our paying customers, <laughs> we have a number of tiers, and one of those tiers is Rats and Cats. And also for the Six Eyes Butlers, they can submit a question to be asked on the show. And we have a question from Jonathan Howard, who was asked How do you cull or expand your collections? Is there a method, or do you just go with what is engaging you at the moment? Very relevant for. Today's、yeah. discussion, I think. I'll start this one off. I think、uh, for me, it's usually an all or nothing thing. Very rarely have I been able to make a scatter, scatterbrain collection work for me, like get this I like, that I like. Currently, it seems to be what I'm doing, but I wonder how much longer I can sustain it because when you're buying vintage stuff that's expensive, but also modern stuff that's cheaper or stuff that's plentiful, the collection builds up really quickly. And when I start to get a feeling of critical mass, I start looking at parts of my collection. And、uh, what to sell off. And it's very rarely just individual toys. It's actually entire toy lines or sections or eras of toys that have gone in the past. For example, once I felt like Legends and Titans Return had gotten a little bit too big in my collection and I had to store them all when we moved, I just decided that I've done enough of that toy line and I just sold off all Titans Return and all Takara Legends. So for me, it tends to be whole, yeah, whole toy lines that go. It's very rarely just. Pruning what I have, like get rid of maybe the bigger ones or the more expensive ones. It's it's more of an all or nothing thing for me. And you've done that several times over, to be fair. I've lost、you? count, honestly. I've lost count. Yeah. Like Masterpiece, Diaclone. Thing, Diaclone, obviously. You know, yeah, it's, it's something I've really kind of noticed that you're like an all or nothing kind of guy. Yeah, there has to be a purpose to what I'm collecting as well. It either ties into articles I'm writing or a style of photography or some kind of theming. It's not just.、Um, Completionism for the sake of it, I don't think. For me, it's about just thinning down. I don't really have that kind of ethos. Like,、uh, I tried to get rid of, well, I decided I was going to get rid of all my masterpiece stuff, and I still have at least half of it because there's stuff I can't bear to get rid of. So for me, it is just whatever I feel like getting rid of at the time. Don't really have a guiding ethos. A lot of the time, if it's, I have multiple characters, sometimes I'll look at it and go, I've got too many toys. I can I only need one or two of those. Hmm. That's kind of interesting itself because I definitely went through a phase, I guess, because masterpiece collecting kind of lends it to, to this, where I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, now I've got that version of that character. I don't need this other version of this character. Like a good example, actually, is one that I've recently re bought. So you know how the story ends, which was Feral Rex. <laughs>、oh, <yeah. laughs> where I think part of the motivation for selling on Feral Rex was honestly because the Power of the Primes toy came along. And I was like, well, you know, I want to have. A kind of masterpiece ish display. And so, Power of the Primes Predaking, although it's not a masterpiece toy, it kind of aesthetically sits in that world. And I was like, you know, I don't need two Predakings. So, I'll just, I'll just keep this one because it's the newer toy. And I've kind of experienced the Feral Rex guys.、They're, I love them, but I can move them on. 
And, you know, there's that feeling of the scale having adjusted a little bit as well because Ferrorex is smaller and whatever else. So it felt like the goalposts had shifted a little bit for me. And so it was a very logical thing to move on. Fast forward however many years, this bloody podcast comes along and lo and behold, <laughs> you're all nodding, but lo and behold, it's, I don't know, it, it somehow makes you realize that actually some of that stuff that you think is important at the time, like scale or whatever, actually it doesn't really matter because like Feral Rex is one example. It's just a blooming cool toy, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Big it toy just, is good toy. Yeah. Exactly. It could just sit as its own thing, standalone thing in your collection, doesn't need to make sense, doesn't need to have a rhyme or a reason or fit with other stuff or whatever. You can just have it as one thing. It's cool. I like it. It's on a shelf. It's great. And, uh, and I'm happy to have it again. And I've had lots of you know fun <laughs> since just getting it again, just transforming it and combining it and whatever else and just being impressed with the, the kind of engineering of it. So I suppose in that regard, my honest answer is that I do find it difficult to let go of stuff sometimes. Like uh, there has been stuff that I've reviewed and then not enjoyed and almost immediately just put it up for sale and like happy for it to go. Do you know what I mean? And that's fine. Yeah. But there there has been plenty of stuff that I've let go of that I've then thought about again or rebought even or missed or whatever. And I think that's why I struggle to move stuff on is that typically when I put stuff up for sale, there is often that feeling of like, ah. Uh, I, I kind of like this though. But I think in terms of how I make those decisions, it's definitely not by line. I think it's just typically stuff that is kind of my attention's moved on a little bit from it and that it feels like it's no longer relevant somehow. Like it, it's not something that I'm going to naturally pick up again and spend any time with. So what's the point having it? Yeah, your considerations change, don't they, as well? Yeah. Like year on year. And the same, your collection is an evolving thing that, you know, we've all been doing for so many years now it changes over the years, doesn't it? So what you get rid of one year might be something you wouldn't get rid of in a completely different year. And same sort of thing, isn't it? As you go along, it changes. Yeah. I think for us, it just depends entirely on podcast episodes. Or the- <laughs> yeah, yeah. One thing the podcast has taught me, though, is that actually there's no shame in rebuying stuff. No. I'm kind of coming it's, back to it. It's been uh, one of the biggest thrills of the year, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's just more expensive. That's what uh, it's taught me. And, and <laughs> you know, if, 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 if I were to, I don't actually think I will, but if I were to rebuy any Diaclone bits, then I wouldn't, I would kind of look at it as like coming back to something and re- enjoying it all over again. You know, I mean, Vinyl Tech is the ultimate example of that. There were te- toys in that line that I knew back to front, inside out, and yet I loved getting them a second time. Loved mm. it. So maybe buying stuff and rebuying is just part of it. I don't know. Well, that was another comprehensive answer. For you, Jonathan Foss, Logic Howard. So thank you for that question. And speaking of tiers and benefits, we do have the £1 a month tier. That's the apologetic ramp for our patrons. That's you just showing your general support and help keep the lights on. And as you've heard from that question, there are some very expensive lights to keep on in our collections. (laughs) Then we've got the Man in Pig tier where you can get early access to episodes and vote in episode polls to have a say in what kind of topics we'll do in the future. Rats and Cats has all those benefits as well as asking a question and you get outtakes as well that you listen to. Some proper fantastic outtakes recently uploaded. And then you've got the Six O's Butlers, which is currently our highest tier. Not for much longer, but currently you can commission mini-sodes and listen to those fortnightly. So it alternates quite nicely between having the full episode and then the mini-sodes. And you pick your topic from a list or come up with something that we think we can fit into 20 minutes uh, as well as all the other benefits that have been listed. And our Six O's Butlers get a shout-out on the show. 
So we'd like to give a big shout out to the following Six O's butlers. Thank you, Nick, Danny Roberts, Chris C137, Andy Preston, Chris, Billy Ho, Spiderfather, Adam Shoemaker, Zachary Blader, Matt, Stephen Perkins, Bad Saturday, Justin Masaru, Dave Dalrymple, Absurd, Geo Kaiser, Yusufer, John Pearl, Cliff Cyrus, Troisif, Anthony Cars, Alec Mir, Captain RA, Phil G, Jacques Pelletier, Alicia, aka Alicia Tron, Sam Highland, Stuart Webb, Amar, Laserbeak, Puma the Hunter, Vegemite Mike, Peter Hammerson, Shenry, Chris Norris, Jesse Moreno, Jackson Arwood, Yip, MK Tronic, Nexus, Jim Owen, Aaron Swoboda, TF Starfire, and some new ones, Billy Gator, Andy Gold, Jake Hoberg, Simon Elvin, Joshals, David Nabby, Misha Kidd, and the Mapes Brothers, who you might recognise. What a list. Mm. What a list indeed. Amazing list. Also, a whole minute of a list. Yeah. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to some of our historic butlers, people who have supported us for a really long time and helped us get to this place in time, who may have just taken a little bit of a break from being a butler or decided that they've had all the content they wanted. But we do just want to acknowledge that they have been a big part of our Patreon so far. So thank you, Dean Watts, Mike S, Jonathan False Logic Howard, and Brian Fox for all the support you've given us up to this point. Cheers, dudes. Indeed, yeah, big thank you to all of you. Amazing. Also, then want to give a big shout out to our sponsor for the evening is tfsource.com. Uh, check them out for all your Transformers, third party, and Diaclone needs. There they are. That's tfsource.com. Uh, but they're looking you. forward to their Diaclone windfall this month. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, sure. Well, maybe one or two people might be checking out some cheeky Diaclone. And when yeah, I say one or one two, or, one or two people, or two. that's, that's <laughs> us. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Liam sat there all like, la di da. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Mystify. Having finally bought a landfill. Right! This is where I insert a klaxon into the edit. <laughs> exactly. Because achievement unlocked. Liam finally bought a landfill. Well it's a, done. It's good. I can't believe you guys have never told me how good this toy is. Like, or ever tried to help you acquire one. I know. How, how could you have left me in such ignorance? Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, it's the conclusion to one of tier, one of our podcast's longest running stories. Yeah, it really lives. is. Yeah, it really is. is. <laughs> I said it on Twitter earlier, but I'm like, I was, I sort of saw it, and it had that not anticlimactic feel to it, but it was almost like, oh, okay, he's got one then. Did you know? Not notice I didn't mention it as well. Yeah, like, oh, no, you you were very, I was waiting for you to see it. I thought I'm you not were very coy about it. I was just so wait. you're so coy about it. I, I almost kind of like looked out the window and had that kind of like, huh? What? What now? Then? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Where do we yeah, go from here? It's when I saw it pop up in capital letters. Liam, have you got a landfill? And I was like, Yeah, I have. You've <laughs> <laughs> seen it. There we go. But yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? What? A oh yeah, amazing. It's toy. great. <laughs> Never mentioned it, mate. I mean, yeah. it's only five episodes late, yeah. but well done. <laughs> new, new toys. <laughs> Brand new. If you no. want to hear my opinions on it, Liam, you can go back and listen to the. No, R&D he doesn't episode. do that, though, does he? Yeah, he I know. Of course, to yeah, I was there. I, I don't remember, but I was definitely there. <laughs> but no, it's a fantastic toy, and I can't believe it's taken me this long to actually get it. Maybe we'll do a mini sode on landfill. How's that to celebrate yes. your? Your achievement, yeah. and all three of us great are owning one. Great shout. Why don't we do yeah. that? And if you'd like to buy your own Triple Takeover apparel, you can check out our Redbubble store, where we have all sorts of goodies for you, which is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash triple takeover forward slash explore. And if you've enjoyed this episode and there's anything you think we've missed or anything you want to talk to us about, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at triple underscore takeover or follow us on Facebook at triple takeover or one word. Lads, where can they find you? 
on social media? You can find me at TF Square One on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at 60TF on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And TFSource.com. <laughs> yes, and TFSource.com. <laughs> yeah, I've got a Patreon as well. That's at 60TF as well. I'm at Toybox Oatbox. Anyway, there's an app. Anyway, that'll do it for the Diaclone discussion this time. It's been a lot of fun. I really hope you've enjoyed it and that ultimately it wasn't all for Dianaut. Oh, it's a red version. Oh man, you see, I can feel it already. I can feel, I can feel the the bloody Tindaloo, la la. What? <laughs>